الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن ذي بك كتاب الصلاة and we have um, we stopped at speaking about the prohibited things that a person is allowed to wear in the prayer. What are the things that you're not allowed to wear? What are you not allowed to uh, clothe yourself with when you're praying? And we spoke about, in our last uh, lesson, we spoke about the saddle. And we said the saddle is, it is, it's a long piece of garment that dangles. It touches the floor. So it either starts from the head or it starts from the shoulder and it goes down to the ground. We mentioned that this is prohibited. And this is based on the hadith al-Imam Abi Dawood and al-Tirmidhi narrated in hadith Abi Huraira that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he prohibited and it's sadly for salah for your clothing to dangle. And we said that this hadith is weak. We said this hadith is weak. And what we said was the saddle is still prohibited. But not based on this hadith. Based on what? Based on the ispal. Based on the ispal. Ispal meaning the garment of the man being below the ankle. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said in a hadith that Imam al-Bukhari narrated in hadith Abi Huraira ma asfala min al-ka'bayni fafinnar any garment any garment that is below the ankles it means that your, your legs are in the hellfire so a male is not allowed to have a garment that is below the below the ankle لا في الصلاة ولا خارج الصلاة You can't have it in the prayer You can't have it outside the prayer This hadith is talking about If you're wearing it Because you like it Or for whatever other reason Other than arrogance If arrogance is why you're doing it Then the punishment becomes even more severe Which is that Allah Azza wa Jalla Will not speak to you the day of judgment the one who has his garment below his ankles out of arrogance, Allah does not speak to him the day of judgment. And when we were studying uh, Al-Waraqat, we mentioned that these two hadiths, you cannot say one is mutlaq and one is muqayyad, فَحَمْلُوا الْمُطْلَقَ عَلَى الْمُقَيَّدِ We tackle that, right? We said each hadith is speaking about different sabab and different hukum, right? We mentioned that. We said that the first hadith, the reason why the person is doing it is what? What was the reason why the person is doing it out of the first narration? It's not. He's just merely doing it. He just wants to do it. It's not out of arrogance, the first one. So if he's not doing it out of arrogance, he just wants to do it, or it looks good, or it's fashion, then the legs are in the hellfire. 
The second narration is talking about what? If the garment is below the ankles out of arrogance, then this one's even a severe punishment, which is, Allah will not look at him, the day of judgment. So you're not allowed to have your garment below your ankles in the salah, and also outside the salah. The author also mentioned kafti thawb wa sha'ri fi salah and folding your garment you're not allowed to in the prayer and you're, not also, you're also not allowed to plait your hair this is talking about the men okay the men are not allowed to they are, are the men allowed to plait their hair you know what plaiting is Asal, it is permissible. If you want to make a plait in your hair, you can if you wish to. But when the salah comes in, you have to open your hair. Walidarik Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he saw a man praying. And his hair was, Abdullah ibn Abbas saw him. And the man's hair was what? He plaited his hair. He did braids. And Abdullah ibn Abbas, what he did was, as he was praying, he started to open it for him. So the man didn't say anything. He let Ibn Abbas do what he was doing. When the salah finished, he said to him, what's my hair got to do with you? Why, why are you touching my hair for? And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his hadith, he told him. He said, umirtu, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, umirtu, I was commanded, an asjud ala sab'ati a'zumin. I was commanded to prostrate from how many places? Seven limbs. Al-Jabha, the forehead, wa ashara biyadhi ala anfihi, wal yadaini wal rukbatini wa atraf al qadamini, wa la nak fi thasiyaba wa shara. And this is what we want from the hadith that you do not plait your hair. That you do not, even your, even your clothes. You can't do this and pray in the middle of the salah. Are we all together? This hadith benefits us something which Abdullah ibn Abbas, what did he see? This man doing something wrong in the, in the salah. Are you allowed to correct a person in the middle of the prayer while they're praying? No. So if a person is facing the, other than the qibla, what can you do? You can turn the person towards the, you can turn the person towards the qibla. Because they were not wrong. They were not, their prayer what they did before, they're not held account for it because they didn't know. So, from this minute onwards, you, you move the person. And the person should let you. Also, some people, what they do is, when they're coming to the salah, they fold up their what? Their garment from the top. That is something, that no one should, you shouldn't do that. And sometimes what you do see is, and some of the fuqaha mentioned this, is some people what they do is when they are going to the sujood they gather their clothes together they bring their thobah together and they put it in between their legs and then they go down also this may fall under it some of the fuqaha mentioned it not to gather your not to gather your clothes if you are wearing a lungi huh? or huh? if you are wearing a thobah or whatever it is not to try to not to try to gather it and to leave it. And your hair, if it's long, which is how it was for 
Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud used to open his hair. He used to have a long hair. He used to what? He used to open his hair and his hair would go into the dust. And a man said to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu as Abdul Razak ibn Hammam al-San'ani mentions in his musannaf, he said, Wallahi, I don't like my hair touching the dust. You know, when I do this sujood, because these people's masjid was sand. So if I do sujood, my hair will go inside the dust. He said, it's better for your hair to go inside the dust than anything else. You're prostrating to Allah, you're humbling yourself. This is the, this khudur, this humility, you're putting your face in the floor. Also, it is not permissible, as the author mentioned, for the man. And you salia fi tawbin harir. Fi tawbin harir. A man is not allowed to wear silk clothes. Men is, men is not allowed for them. A man is not allowed to wear silk. Are women allowed to wear it? Women are allowed to wear it. So men cannot get upset and do a men's movement and then say, why are we not allowed to wear huh? silk? No. This is a legislation that is permissible for the women and not for the men. Men are not allowed to wear silk. The author, the author also mentioned Tawbu Shuhra. Tawbu Ash-Shuhra. Tawbu Shuhra. I mentioned what it means, inshallah ta'ala. But the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Man labisa. Anyone who wears Tawbu Shuhratin. Anyone who wears a Tawbu Shuhra. في الدنيا in this world ألبسه الله ثوب مذلة يوم القيامة Allah will put on you a clothing of humility the day of judgment humiliation what does it mean ثوب الشهرة what does it mean the scholars are of two opinions mainly they're mainly of what two of opinions the first one is Tawbu shuhra means clothing that doesn't have in it al-israf wal-makhila, arrogance and excessive, excessiveness. Tawbu shuhra means stay away from clothing that is not excessive. Walidhalik Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, he said, he said, kul ma shi'ta, eat whatever you wish. Walbas ma shi'ta and wear whatever clothing you love. Except two things. Two things stay away from. In your eating and in your clothing. The first one he said, going overboard. And the second one is arrogance. Stay away from those two in your clothing. Also, the second opinion, the second opinion is that which the people and the community that you're with dislike. مَا تُنْكِرُوا عَادَاتُ الْمُجْتَمَعَ وَتَقَالِيدُ You're with the people who are Muslims. You're with what? You're with Muslim people. And the community do not like this thing. It's seen, it's looked down at, it's not something nice. Some of the Salaf like Ibrahim al-Nakha'i and Abu Ayyub al-Sakhtiyani, they used to see this to be what? Libas al-Shuhra. And Ibn Abi Dunya mentions it in his kitab, Al-Tawadi' wal-Khumul. He mentions it there. 
لكن this is what تقاليد the norms of who a Muslim community okay the Muslim community's norms the people who are Muslims so it's not permissible to wear clothing that is called libas shuhra so for example now a person in this country can he come and do khutbah with a suit and a tie can he do a khutbah to jama'ah like that huh this will be this will fall, fall under what libasu libasu shura because the ada and the taqalid of the muslims is if you're gonna do khutbah to jama'ah you wear what you wear a ha you wear a shimag ha you wear a thawb mainly you should wear white Sahih. These are the taqalid of the people and the norms of the people. If you go against it, this becomes what? Libasu? Libasu shuhra. Also, the person is not allowed to pray in a clothing he stole. You're not allowed to steal clothes and pray in that clothing because it's not your ownership, it's not something you own. Somebody else's ownership. So you're not allowed to. Three of which the author said, three of which the author said is not specific to the prayer. And it actually doesn't nullify your prayer. It doesn't what? It doesn't nullify your prayer. Like a man wearing silk in the prayer. It's haram, it's not permissible. But it doesn't nullify your prayer. Al-Isbal, your clothing being below your ankles, it's haram, but it doesn't nullify your prayer. And it's not restricted to the prayer. It's also outside the prayer. The third one is clothing you stole. It's haram for you to wear clothing that you stole. But your prayer is still correct. Your clothing, your salah is what? It's still correct. Those three which I mentioned, they're not restricted to the prayer. They're not restricted to thee. They are outside the prayer as well. Naam. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalam ala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Qala al-musannifu rahimahullahu ta'ala wa alayhi istiqbalu al-ka'bati in kana mushahidan laha aw fi hukm al-mushahid wa ghayru al-mushahidi yastaqbilu al-jihata ba'da al-tahari. The author here, rahimahullah, he mentioned another shart, another shart for the prayer, which is what? Istiqbalul Qibla, facing the Qibla. The people when it comes to the Qibla are two types. The people when it comes to the Qibla are what? Two types. A group of people who could see the Kaaba. What can they see? They can see Ainul Kaaba. The Kaaba is right in front of them. What is required from those people? If they can see the Kaaba, and they're right in front of the Kaaba. What is it that's required from them? It is to face this Kaaba that they can see. Are we all together? That they face the what? The Kaaba itself. They are obliged to do so. As for the people who are not in the, in the Kaaba, so they can't see the Kaaba, they are in another country. They are what? They are in another country another part of the world for them they don't have to face the Kaaba the, the Kaaba itself they just have to face that direction 
They have to just face the direction where the Kaaba is. Does that make sense? The author mentions that. So he calls it the Mushahid and Wagayrul Mushahid. The one who can see the Kaaba and the one who can't see the Kaaba. The one who can see the Kaaba, he has to face the, the black uh, uh, Kaaba that's right in front of him. The one who can't see it, are we all together, brothers? He faces towards that Qibla. وَلِذَلِكَ the Prophet ﷺ said, مَا بَيْنَ الْمَغْرِبِ وَالْمَشْرِقِ قِبْلَةٌ That which is between Mashriq and Maghrib is a what? It's a, it's a Qibla. At-Tirmidhi narrated in Hadith Abi Huraira. This of course is going to change from whatever part of the world that you're in. The Prophet was saying it from where? Medina. But when you're from another side of the world, then your direction is going to be different. Anything that direction, it's from the UK, it's south or east, right? Huh? Southeast direction towards the Kaaba. So, when you face towards that direction, that's a Qibla. It doesn't have to be exactly the black, the stone, and that's the based on the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And to force the people to face. Ainul Kaaba, when they're in a different continent, it goes against the ayah, وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجٍ Allah did not make haraj upon us like that. But nowadays, subhanAllah, there's new apps that come out. Have you seen them? Allah alam if there's these apps, when you look at it, it just tells you this is exactly directed to the Kaaba. But anyways, it's not obligatory on you. Let me summarize this point, this chapter that we took, which is the conditions of the prayer. The correct opinion is that the conditions are for the prayer eight. The shurut are actually seven. Sorry, the authentic narrations is the authentic narration, and the evidences show that the shurut of the salah is seven. The first one is al-Islam. Islam is a prerequisite, it's a condition. Okay, al-aql. Sanity. Three. So the first one is Al-Islam. Second one is Al-Aql. Sanity. Three is what? Al-Tamiz. Four. Tamiz means um, uh, puberty. It means here means puberty. Oh, it's to distinguish between things. Four. The entering of the time. Number five is istiqbalu al-qibla. Facing the qibla. Istiqbalu al-qibla. Number six is al-wudu. Al-wudu. To do wudu ablution. And number seven is a niyyah, intention. Anything other than that, it requires what? The evidence are either weak or the wajib istilal. It doesn't include... It's either the evidence is not authentic or the dalala is not sarih. The indication is not clear. But those seven are what the strongest evidence show. 
We're now going to move on to the next chapter, inshallah ta'ala. Now. Uh. No, there's no problem. Dangle is not an issue, as long as it doesn't go below your ankles. Here the issue is, it's dangling from the top, and then it goes down to the ground. But things dangling from you is not a problem. Now. Now we're going to go into the chapter of how to pray. So the description of the prayer. Okay, now you're going to learn how do you pray the salah. Okay, today onwards the sunnah of how to pray the salah of the messenger alayhi, alayhi salatu wassalam. The Salah will not be accepted. It will not be taken into consideration. It will not be sanctioned. Unless what? Unless a person comes with a intention. And this is based on the hadith that Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim both narrated in hadithi. Umar ibn al-Khattab, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّةِ وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مَا نَوَى Every action is based on what is intended and every, every intention and every, so every reward will be in accordance to the intention. So the intention is a necessary component for the acceptance of the prayer. If you don't come with a niya intention, your salah is what? It's not going to be accepted. Jameel, good question. Talafud bin niya. Talafud bin niya. Do you say, I'm going to pray four rak'ah, dhuhr, mustaqbil al qiblati, facing the qibla. Do you say that? Do you, do you speak your intention or not? Talafud bin niya is not transmitted from the Prophet's salah. All of the narrations, they mention that the Prophet ﷺ No narration ever mentioned anything before that. Are we all together? As a joke, ulama, they transmitted in some of their books, in Bara'if, that a man who used to do a talafud bin niyah, he would do it. Every time he goes, And he will mention. So one of the Men who was next to him, he said, why don't you add me to your intention? I said, I'm praying on the right side of uh, Fulan ibn Fulan. Because the intention, how far do you go? And this was his way of making him stop it. Because he's going to talk about the imam and what clothing he's wearing and the people behind you, what clothing they're wearing. And the one on the right and then the left. So, no, at-talafud binya is not permissible. Walidharik ibn Raja mentions it in his kitab, what? He mentions it in, in his kitab, Jam Ulum Al-Hikam, when he talks about the, uh, mentions it in the kitab, Jam Ulum Al-Hikam, when he talks about hadith, Umar radiallahu anhu, innam al-amalu. There's only one ibadah where you have to mention your intention. Anyone know which, which one it is? Hajj. Sah? Mm. Even this one is discussed. Like in? Yeah? Hajj al-Umrah. Naam. Like in some scholars, they say that's not talafud bin niya. That's, it isn't talafud bin niya. It's another discussion. 
that what you're doing here is actually not التلفظ بالنيم نعم وأركانها كلها مفترضة إلا قعود التشهد الأوسط and the original copy it says والاستراحة as well so just add that word والاستراحة والاستراحة in the Arabic it doesn't say in there like it's in its correct copy so just add the, add the word والاستراحة after إلا قعود التشهد الأوسط والاستراحة والاستراحة وال واو واو ألف لام ألف سين تاء راء ألف حاء التاء مربوطة والاستراحة So everything in the prayer he says it's a pillar except two things Everything in the prayer it's all of it is a what? It's a pillar except the middle إلا قعود التشهدي and والاستراحة In English, it say it in there for you and the posture of rest. It just says التشهد Add the word and the posture and the sit of rest. The posture of rest is better for you. Istiraha means when you're, you know, when you're, the sits that are, the sits that you do between the sajdatain. This is called jalsatul istiraha, right? The, huh? And the one you sit as well. All of those are not pillars, it was the author sees it as. Are you with me, brothers? Let's go all the, through all the things that are. Pillars, there are nine based on the author Rahimullah Ta'ala. The first one is Al Qiyamu standing up. Standing up is a, is a what? Standing up is a write this down everybody. The arkan of the salah are nine. How many are the shart? Seven. That's the prerequisites. How much are the arkan? Nine. Number one is Al Qiyam standing. Who is the standing obligatory on? Lil Qadiri, the one who has the ability. The one who has the ability has to stand up. So two conditions. The standing is a pillar twice only. Lil Qadiri, the one who has the ability, number one. Fil Faridati in the obligatory prayers. Does that make sense, brothers? You don't have to stand in the nawafil. The nafila, you don't have to. You don't have to pray. You don't have to stand up. One of the things that people lose out sometimes is even if you're traveling and Salatul Duha comes in or other Salawat comes in, do it while you're in your car. No problem. Don't miss it. It's not obligatory for you to stand up, Aslan. Are you with me, brothers? At least you get half of the reward instead of zero. The Prophet ﷺ, he tells us in the hadith, Salatul Qa'idi ala nisfi min Salatul Qa'imi. The Prophet told us that the voluntary one, the voluntary prayer, the one who sits gets half of the one who's standing. But that just shows that you're allowed to sit down when you're praying a voluntary prayer. Number two. So standing is what? It's a pillar twice. When is it? One who has the ability. And the one who is? 
and the one who <coughs> is praying uh, obligatory prayer. Number two, takbiratul ihram. Allahu Akbar. It's a what? It's a, it's a pillar. And then if you come to the imam and he's in ruku', do you have to say Allahu Akbar first and then do the ruku'? Some of the people, what do they do? They come walking and they're in the ruku'. Which one do you do? Do you say Allahu Akbar and then you go to the ruku'? Or you just go to the ruku'? Huh? You have to do the takbir of the haram. You have to say what? You have to say Allahu Akbar first, then go to the ruku'. Okay? Because that is what the prayer starts with and it's a, it's a pillar. Number three, what's a pillar? Qira'at al-Fatiha fi kulli rak'ah. The reading of what? Surah al-Fatiha in every, every rak'ah. We're going to go in more details regarding Fatiha. Number four is al-Ruku'u fi kulli rak'ah. Ruku'u in every rak'ah. Every rak'ah you have to do ruku'u. So the second is takbiratul ihram, the Allahu Akbar that you come into the prayer with. The third one is qira'atul fatiha, the recitation of fatiha. And then the, no, number four is what? Al-ruku'u fi kulli rak'ah, doing ruku' in every. Number five, al-raf'u min al-ruku' coming up from the ruku'. Wal-i'tidalu qa'iman minhu, and to stand still, straight, until your back is straight. This is a pillar. Are you with me, brothers? Number six is al-sujood al-awwal wa thani Are you with me, brothers? The first sujood and the second sujood. They are both pillars. The sujoods are what? Pillar. Number six is the sitting between the sajdatain. The sitting between the... The sit that you do between the... That's seven, ha. Huh? Am I going fast? Yeah? So number five is getting up from the ruku' and coming straight. Number six is the first sujood Allah. Number six is what? Uh, sorry, number seven is what? Al-Julusu Bayna Sajdatayni, the sitting between the two sajdas. And the seventh one, uh, eighth one is Al-Tuma'nina fi jami' al-Arkan. All of those pillars that we mentioned, there has to be a Tuma'nina. Tuma'nina means tranquility. Tumanina means when you go into this position, your body stops moving. Like when you first come up from the rukur and you get up, your body is still moving slightly, right? Until your body stops moving. And it can only happen for a period of time. When it stops moving, then you're allowed to move again. So when you get up, your body is still moving and when you're still moving until you stand still and a person can say, you are still. Then you can go down. This is called what? It's called Tumanina. Number nine is Tartibu Hadihi Al Arkan Alama Bayanahu. The order, the sequence that we gave right that was that was given to you right now, you can't change the sequence. You can't make the uh, the, the salah in whichever order you want. I have a question. 
there was a man that came to the Prophet's masjid. And when he came in, the man prayed. The Prophet saw him pray. When the man prayed, he came to the Prophet The Prophet said, go back. Pray, you haven't prayed. The man, he kept sending him back. Irja, go back. Pray, you haven't prayed. Even though the man was praying. But what he was doing, the Prophet considered it all to be what? Like nothing was done. Does anyone here from amongst you know the name of that companion? Not you. Not you. Uh, anyone know the name of this companion? I'm sure you heard the story, all of you guys. True or false? Why were you not nosy enough to find out which companion it was? Why? Why didn't you find out? Huh? Why didn't you go out of your way to not find out who this companion was? Who was told to go pray again and he went and he was told to go back and pray again and he was told. Why didn't you not find out who it was? I have to make a scene before I say the name so you can remember it next time inshallah. Huh? I'm doing this deliberately. For me to do this will make you never forget his name. Sah? Ha, a lot of people don't mention the name. Sah? Sah? You remember I told you guys that a scholar who wrote a book in naming these kind of companions whose names are not mentioned. Does anyone know which scholar I said? There's a scholar, what he does is these kind of things. That uh, A man came in and the Prophet said this to him and he did this and the Prophet said this to him. This name, the man, that's always been said. What he does is that he tries to find who that man was. Huh? Khatib al-Baghdadi. Imam al-Khatib al-Baghdadi has a book on this. Are you with me, brothers? Uh, there's a book written on the Mubhamat, the people whose names are not known. Sa'ala rajulun ayman asked the Prophet. So what he would do is, he would look at all the narrations. And he'll find a narration where his name was mentioned. Sah? Do you guys all know the story of the man that was wearing the ta- Sahabi that was wearing the ta'weez? And the Prophet ﷺ, he said to him, Take it off. Take this off. It will only increase you in weakness. Does anyone know which companion that was? Huh? It's good to find out which companion it was. This companion's name is called Khalad ibn Rafi'ah. Okay, his name is Khalad Kha, Lam, Alif, and Dal. Khalad, Khalad Kha, Lam, Alif, and Dal. Khalad ibn Rafi'ah. Ibn Rafi'ah. Rafi'ah is Ra, Alif, Fa, and Ain. Khalad ibn Rafi'ah ibn Malik al Khazraji. He was a Khazraj. He's the brother of Rifa'at ibn. Um, Rifa'at ibn Rafi'in This is his brother And I got this from the uh, From the, the uh, Son of Zainuddin al-Iraqi son Abu Zur'ah Waliyuddin al-Iraqi He Rahimahullah He mentions it In a book which is called Al-Mustafadat Al-Mustafadah Min al-Mubhamati Min al-Matni wal-Isnad He mentions it there I didn't see it in Khatib al-Baghdadi's book. But he, this man is known as what? What do they call him generally? Al-Musi'u Salatahu. Al-Musi'u Salatahu, the one who 
didn't do his prayer properly. That's what they know him as. But the name of that companion who is Al Musi'u Salatahu was what? Khalad ibn. Has everyone written that now? Hey, tomorrow if I ask you, you should know who he is. So this man, he entered. He entered the message. The Prophet saw him. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, what he said to him was, after he greeted him, he said to him, Irja' go back. فَصَلِّ فَإِنَّكَ لَمْ تُصَلِّ This shows, brothers, if someone does something and they don't do it correctly, you are allowed to negate it in totality. And its presence is like its absence. Because the man did pray. But because the prayer, pillars were missing from it. Pillars. The Prophet said, this is not our salah. So he said, you didn't pray. Go back and pray. So the man went and he prayed. And then he came to the Prophet and he greeted him. The Prophet said to him, Wa alaykum salam. Then he said to him, Irji' fasalli fa'inna Go back and pray. You haven't prayed. When it happened to him three times, the man looked at the Prophet and said, bil I swear by the Lord who had sent you out as a Prophet, ma hada I can't do better. Teach me. And the scholars, you know what they say? The scholars, they mention this man really, all that was wrong in his prayer was he had no tuma'nina. He had no tuma'nina. Like he missed the pillar of tuma'nina. Tuma'nina means tranquility. It was fast in his prayer. His body never stood, um, was never still in a position. That was all that was missing from him. Tuma'nina. He didn't miss fatiha. He didn't miss a pillar other than tuma'nina. That was the only pillar, pillar that was missing from him. So when he told the Prophet to teach me, teach him, he, the Prophet said to him, إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ When you stand up for the prayer, say what? Did he say to him, say in the way to Salat al-Dhuhri? No. He said, فَكَبِّرْ Say تَكْبِرْ Allahu Akbar. And then that's where the prayer starts from. Are we all together brothers? Because the scholars who say that تَلَفُّضُ بِالنِّيَةِ Saying your intention loudly, they say to them, if تَلَفُّضُ بِالنِّيَةِ Is it part of the prayer? Or is it outside the prayer? You get it, brothers? Because the salah, where did it start from? Allahu Akbar. Then the Prophet said to him, Read that which you have the ability to read from the Quran. The Hanafiyah, they stick to that part of the hadith. And they, see, they say, See, you see? The Prophet said, Read whatever you can. So Fatiha is not a pillar. You don't have to read Fatiha. Because the Prophet said to the man, what? فَقْرَأْ مَا مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ Read whatever you can read from the Qur'an. Believe me, brothers. And as we know, brothers, if two evidence seemingly seem to be contradicting one another, they seem to be contradicting, they're not contradicting. We think they are. The scholars, they say the first step was what? We took it in, وصول الفقه. What did we say? الجمعو, we have to be, bring the evidence together. وَالْجَمْعُ وَاجِبٌ مَتَى مَا أَمْكَنَ إِلَّا فَلِلْأَخِيرِ نَسْخٍ بُيِّنَا الصاحب المراقي said. We have to try to bring the two evidence together. So how do you bring the two evidence together? The other hadith is hadith Ubadit ibn Samit in the Prophet said لَا صَلَاةَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يَقْرَأْ بِفَاتِحَةِ الْكِتَابِ There is no prayer for the one who what? Who doesn't read Fatiha. لَا الصَّلَاةَ There's no prayer for him. Are we all together brothers? So how do you reconcile it? The scholars, they reconciled it easily. They said that anything after Fatiha, you can read whatever you want. The statement of the messenger, 
After you've read Fatiha and you've finished reading Fatiha, then go to read whatever Allah has given you the ability to read. Whatever you want to read from the Quran, choose it and read it. That's the way that they reconciled between the two evidence. Are, you with, are we all together? You're not allowed to dismiss one evidence. Then look what the Prophet said to the man. Then do ruku'. Until you are tranquil in your ruku'. Still, you have to. Then raise yourself. The Prophet he also said in other narrations, your back has to be what? Straight. This is something everybody do. That's some people's backs. Allah Mubarak. And some people, they try their best, but that's how far they can go. You just have to do as good as you can. Then you get up until you go straight. Here, when you get up, you raise your hand. How many times have you raised your hand so far? When you said, Allahu Akbar. And what was the second time? Again, before you went to the ruku'. And then when you... When you get up from your ruku' three times so far, until your back is straight, don't move, be straight. Then go to the sujood. Until you are in a state of tranquility in your sujood, no body movement. This person is tranquil. Then get up from it. Sit down until you're tranquil. The Prophet said, do this in all of your prayers. That is the pillars that the Prophet taught him. And they were the nine things that we mentioned, right? Those were the? Those were the nine. In another riwayah, in Sahih al-Bukhari al-Muslim, the Prophet sallallahu he said to the man, إِذَا قُمْتَ إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ When you stand up for the salah, فَأَسْبِغِ الْوُضُوءَ Place the water over yourself. ثُمَّ اسْتَقْبِلِ الْقِبْلَةِ And face the qibla, فَكَبِّرْ And they say, Allahu Akbar. In another riwayah, only by Bukhari, the Prophet said, ثُمَّ اسْجُدْ حَتَّى تَطْمَئِنَّ سَاجِدًا Twice. This all shows that we have to do that. Did the Prophet mention the tashahud al-awsat? The middle tashahud? He didn't mention it. Did he mention the julus al-istiraha? The sitting of relaxation? He didn't. About the posture of rest. So he didn't. Since he didn't mention that, the scholars, they took it out of they took it out of the pillar. Naam. Okay. It is not obligatory. Any adhkar. And no adhkar is obligatory on you. Except what? Except the Allahu Akbar that you come in and the Fatiha. Those are the only two that are obligatory on you. In every rak'ah. So if the person is in the ruku' and he says nothing. If the person is in the sujood, he says nothing. All of that the shaykh says that is not obligatory. What tashahud al-akhiri is also mentioned in the copies of his book. You have to say it. How many things does he mention that you have to say? Four things. Four things that are obligatory for you to have to say from the adhkar. Number one, Allahu Akbar, to come into the prayer. Are we all together, brothers? 
Remember when we say you ha- when we say you have to say something, many people misunderstand the concept of saying something. They say this. Look at my lip. That's not saying in Arabic. We're all together. Even when you're in the salah where you don't have to read loud Fatiha, or you don't even have to read the salah loudly, your lips have to move. The Arabs they call recitation lips moving. Are we all together, brothers? Nabi Muhammad, when he came into the prayer and he did the adhkar, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khataya, how did the Sahabas know that he read this? Kunna na'rifu dhalika bidhdhirabi lihyati, his beard was moving. But they didn't, they couldn't hear what he was saying. But the lips have to move. When you're reading your Fatiha, you have to say, your lips have to move. If you're like this, that's called hadith or nafs, you're talking to yourself. That's no recitation. That's not called recitation. Are we all together, brothers? Lips have to move. The difference between the jahriya and the salah, which are sirriya, is that no voice comes out. No sound comes out for dhuhr and asr. But the lips, all of the prayers, your lips move. Does that make sense? Lips move. So remember, that's what it means to read. So how many did the author say that you have to recite for Allahu Akbar to come in? You have to say that. The second thing that you have to is Fatiha. Fatiha. And the next two that are not in your copy that you should add in there is what Tashahud Al-Akhir. The Tashahud you have to read. Huh? Oh, it's in there for you. What Tasleem? And the Tasleem. You have to say Assalamu Alaikum or the Salah hasn't finished. Uh, the evidence for that is the Prophet ﷺ statement As for the saying of the other ones which is Takbiratul Ihram and the Tashahud Al-Akhir and the Tasreem is that when the Prophet taught the Musi'u Salatu in the narrations it mentions that the Prophet told him read this, read this, read this and then he said to him do this in all of the do this in all of your prayer We'll stop stop here inshallah ta'ala for the prayer Um, I just want to say something I got a lot of questions from it yesterday Something I said That a lot of people kept asking, 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 asking And Which is The issue of Some people thought I said that If you wake up for Fajr you can pray without wudu Some people misunderstood me like that Never ever Wudu is a shartul li sihati salah. I mentioned at the beginning. It's a condition for the for the salah. What I did say though was, if there is minutes left for the prayer, it's about to go, and it's gonna go, and you just woke up, and there's a couple of minutes left for the salah, you won't be able to do wudu. Now you have two problems in front of you. One is you're gonna miss the prayer. And the other one is you're going to miss the wudu. Which one do you give precedence to? If you go for wudu, there's no salah time. Are you with me, brothers? There's no salah for you to pray anymore because you did catch the salah time. You have no excuse for you to say, I didn't catch the salah time. You did. You had a minute of the salah time. Are you with me, brothers? The narrations that mention the person sleeping is the one whose salah time finished and he woke up after. You did it. You woke up whilst the salah time was, was in. 
So in this situation, Shaykh al-Islam gave the verdict, you can now pray without wudu. Straight away you stand up and you pray. Because hurmatul waqt, the power of the timing takes precedence over the wudu. Does that make sense, brothers? Shall I repeat that again? Is it crystal clear? But you are not allowed to pray salah without wudu. If you've got four minutes left, five minutes left, and you can go and you do wudu, you have to do wudu. Does that make sense? You're good. So you go and you do wudu, and then you come back and you pray the salah because you had time to do wudu, and you had time to do what? Catch the salah. Does that make sense? Huh? Ah, Jamil, it's true. This was another question that was asked. When I said that the salah time is finishing, I did not mean the jama'ah. I didn't mean the jama'ah. It's true, some people ask me outside. When I said that the salah time is finishing, I mean the salah is actually going. Asr is going, Maghrib is coming in. You missed the jama'ah a long time ago. The jama'ah was paid an hour ago. Are we, are we all together, brothers? I am referring to the salah time, not the jama'ah. Okay? Barakallahu feekum. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Qal musannifu rahimahullahu ta'ala, wa ma'ada thalika fasunan. The author rahimahullah, after he spoke about al-aqwal wal-af'al, the speeches and the actions which are pillar, the author rahimahullah, he goes into the he went into the things that were Sunan. And from that which you can sense from Muhammad ibn Ali Shawkani is there is either a what? A rukun shart and a what? Sunnah. For him there's no wajib. Are you with me brothers? For him there's either rukun, shart and a wajib. That's what you sense from his way. Sunnah, shart, and a rukun. And wajib is not there. Barakallahu feekum. We mentioned actions and speeches that were what? That were shart and that which were rukun. Sah? The shart, we mentioned some speeches and some actions. And for the rukun, we mentioned some speeches and some actions. After that he says everything else is a sunnah. Why does he believe that? He believes that because there's no, obliga- there's no evidence to show it's obligatory. Are you with me brothers? And he mentions, the author rahimahullah mentions ten things. All, all which are sunnah. There are ten. The first one is وَهِيَ الرَّفْعُ فِي الْمَوَاضِعِ الْأَرْبَعَةِ it is um, it is to rise up in the four places. Rising in the what? Lifting the hands in four specified postures. There are four times when a person has to raise his his hands. The first one was what? Takbiratul Ihram. The second one is عند الركوع when you want to go to the ركوع the third one is عند الاعتدال from the ركوع and the fourth one is 
عند القيام إلى الركعة الثانية. When you stand up for the second rak'ah. Shall I repeat that one more time? The first one is takbiratul ihram. You takbiratul ihram, you say Allahu Akbar. The second one is عند الركوع when you want to go to the ركوع. So remember this, brothers. I sometimes see some people who raise their hands so many times in the salah. Literally, they do it everywhere. The sunnah is only four places. The sunnah is what? Four places. The first one is um, one which is wajib. We already spoke about, right? One is rukun. Which one is it? Takbiratul Haram is a rukun. But these are the four places where you do it. The first one is Allahu Akbar. Second one is when you want to go to Ruku'ah. So you finish Surah Al-Fatiha, you read the second Surah, you want to go to Ruku'ah, what do you do? From your hands, from the chest, what do you do? You raise your hand. We've strengthened and we mentioned this before, as for placing the hands on the body part here, all of the evidences that have seemingly come, they all seem to be what? Weak. Just about every narration, fihi nadar, fihi maqal. Whether it be the chest, whether it be on the navel, what it... So because all of the narrations here are weak, the least weak narration, the narration that has the least defect, the least weakness, is the one that says the chest. But there's no problem if you want to place it on here, if you want to place it here, don't make it into a big fuss. Are we all together? Don't turn it into a big fuss. So the hands, the raising, I'm just going to bring it in just a couple of minutes inshallah, which is the raising of the hands, where are they meant to be? Earlobes, I mean leveled to your ears, don't touch it. The touching, there's no evidence for that. It's just level to your ears or level to your shoulders. That. Are we all together? Huh? Oh, the hands have to always face the Qibla. So it's level to your shoulders, your two shoulders, or your ears. Just a bit up. This. Nothing else. You don't have to touch it. You don't have to bring it close to your ears where your arms move. Are we all together? When you just raise your hands, you just do that. That's your ears and that's your shoulders. This. Are we all together? And how many places do you do it? The raising of the hands are done in four places. The first one is takbiratul ihram, Allahu Akbar. And the second one is what? When you want to go to the ruku'ah. The third one is when you get up from the ruku'ah. When you get up. And the fourth one is for the second rak'ah when you get up from the tashahud. The first tashahud. When you finish, when you want to go up for the second, uh, so the third rak'ah. You completed the second rak'ah, sorry, and you're going up for the third rak'ah. Here is what you read. Here is, there's two places where you can do that. There are two places where you can do it. You can do it in your sit if you want to. While you're sitting down in the tashahud, before you get up, you can do it there. You can. Or once you got up. Or once you, or once you got up. And it's good to change it. All of these things, changing it around, helps your khushu. You, you're not gonna, your mind's not going to go. 
you're focusing today, you're flipping it, changing it, turning it, making another, all which you're, all to keep your, your attention there. Are we all together, brothers? And there's nothing more important on focusing on the moment you're standing in front of Allah Azza wa Jal. It's a moment you're standing in front of Allah. It's not a time that you just let it go by like that. You should feel it, that you're standing in front of your Lord, Allah Azza wa Jalla. The three places, they come in the narration of the Prophet So the three narrations, I'm going to mention it. It says, Hadith ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Umar. He said, رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِذَا قَامَ فِي الصَّلَاةِ رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ حَتَّى يَكُونَ حَذْوَ مَنْ كِبَيْهِ وَكَانَ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ حِينَ يُكَبِّرُ لِلْرُّكُوعِ وَيَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ إِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ الرُّكُوعِ وَيَقُولُ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ وَلَا يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ فِي السُّجُودِ three, The three first places, the narration of who? Abdullah ibn Umar, that's found in Bukhari and Muslim. Lakin Bukhari has a wording unique where it mentions the fourth one. وَإِذَا قَامَ مِنَ الرَّكْعَتَيْنِ رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ He will raise his hands. Any other narration that mentions other than those four, consider it to be weak. They're all not authentic. Now, the second thing that the person needs to do is, the author mentions is, وَالضَّمُّ means drawing the arms towards the chest, like on top of each other. Okay, you take your hand and you place it. How do you place your hand on top of your hand? Which one goes bottom and which one is on top? Sahal ibn Sa'ad al-Sa'idi radiallahu ta'ala anhu he said, كَانَ النَّاسُ يُؤَمَّرُونَ أَمَا يُؤْمَرُونَ أَنْ يَضْعَ الرَّجُلُ الْيَدَ الْيُمْنَى The people were commanded, meaning the Prophet told them, instructed them to place the right hand on what? in the prayer. So the Sahabas were commanded by who? The Messenger. That they placed the hand on top of what? Their left dhira. Dhira is this. From here to here is a dhira. There to there. So anywhere in within that spot, what's this called in English? Elbow, right? Okay, it's not a knee, okay, brothers? In case you get it wrong. Where is your knees? You all know where the knees Okay, good. You know your body parts. So, your elbows. And what's this called in English? Your wrist. Jamil. All of this is what? A dhira. Anywhere within there, you can put your hand. Are you with me, brothers? That's how you do it. That's the dirah. The third thing that the author rahimahullah mentioned is at-tawajjuh. Tawajjuh, what does it mean? It means the dua or istiftah. Tawajjuh means the opening words of prayer following the takbir. Once you've made the takbir, you said Allahu Akbar. You say the dua. From them is wajjahtu wajhiya lilladhi fatara samawati wal ard. You can say that, it's good. You can also say Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. You can say that. You can say Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, wa lillahi alhamd, wa subhanallahi bukratan wa asila. Those are asqar that came from the Prophet. All of them try to change it. You can find all of them in the book Fortress of a Muslim. 
change them. One day use this one. One day do this one. One day do that. I promise you, you'll start seeing that your salah, you're very focused. You're very focused. You can also say, Alhamdulillah, hamdan, kathiran, tayyiban, mubarakan, fi. If you're going to give one of these, pay attention, and you want, you, you can't remember, memorize everything, and you maybe can't do all of them, because your memory is not that good, or whatever reason it may be, then I would advise you to stick to the ones that have come in Sahihain, Bukhari and Muslim. Stick to those ones. The ones that have come in Bukhari and Muslim. Like, Allahumma ba'id bayni. That one, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. That is hadith is found in Sahihain, Bukhari and Muslim. On the authority of Abu Hurairah. The other ones are Muslim. And which one is more important? That which is found in? Bukhari and Muslims even stronger right so if you have to choose then choose Allahumma Allahumma ba'id but I would honestly tell you don't just choose it by itself go for all of them and try to change it it's called at-tanawwu' fil ibadah changing your ibadat it has a lot of fawaid in it it has a lot of fawaid Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah spoke about this a lot the fourth is wa-ta'awwud Ta'awud is what? To seek refuge in Allah tabarak wa ta'ala from? From shaitan. And that is to say, A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem. When do you say this? You say this after the dua or istiftah. You say this after the dua or istiftah, the dua of the opening, after you made your dua, and before you start reciting Fatiha, and before you even say the Basmalah, you say it. Are we all together, brothers? Here the question is, is there any particular way of doing the Ta'awud, seeking refuge in Allah? There's no authentic way. The issue of the Ta'awud, the wording, there's no authentic wording that came from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It just came from the Salaf. So some of the Salaf, they used to say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم من همزي ونفخه ونفثه. Some would say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. Some would say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. أعوذ بالله سميع العليم من الشيطان الرجيم. It was different. All of those, whichever you want, you can do, inshallah ta'ala. It's recommended for you to do so. Um, And the evidence to show that some people say that, oh, you have to read it because Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala says, وَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ You have to do the isti'adah because you're commanded here, seek refuge in Allah. The evidence to show that it's not, this command here is not obligation, is that when he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he recited Surah Al-Kawthar for his companions, what did he do? He never said the isti'adah. The messenger... So if a command comes from the Prophet or if a command comes from Allah and the Prophet doesn't follow that command or he doesn't go by it, what does it show? That it's a recommended, that it's not obligatory. Okay? That's one of the qareena. We took usul fiqh, right? That is one of the qareena that diverts it from obligation to what? Recommendation. Okay? It does. The isti'adah you can't say loudly. What does it have to be? It has to be sirran, hidden. Ibn Qudama said, Bila khilaf. There's no dispute in that. 
So it's ijma. It's a consensus that you have to read. Uh, sorry, that you can read the isti'ada, but you have to read it if you choose to read it. In what way? Sirran. You have to say it private, hidden. You can't say it loudly. You can't. The next one that the author, rahimahullah, mentions is وَالتَّأْمِينَ Saying what? After the ending of Fatiha, the person says The person says Ameen And this is based upon the statement of the Prophet If the Imam He does the Ameen, do the Ameen فَمَنْ وَافَقَ تَأْمِينُ تَأْمِينُ Anyone who is Ameen and the Ameen of the angels are in line, what happens? He's forgiven for his sins. So it's virtuous that you say the Ta'meen, Ameen. But again, according to the author's opinion, it's that it's what? It's Sunnah. Also, وَقِرَاءَةٍ reciting other than Fatiha. The recitation of verses or surahs other than Fatiha. This is what? It's recommended. Are we all together, brothers? Is this in all of the prayer? Or is it in the last two specifically? Or is it every, all of it? It's actually all of it. It's all of the prayer. You can just read Fatiha every salah. The Imam today, Isha, he could have just read Fatiha and just said, Allahu Akbar. But the adat of the Prophet was, are we all together, brothers? Is that the first two rak'ah of every prayer, what would he do? He read Fatiha and another surah with it. And the other remaining rak'at, he would always read only Fatiha. He would only read Fatiha, alayhi, alayhi salatu wasalam. This is based on the hadith of Abi Qatada in Bukhari and Muslim. Also, what tashahud al-awsat. The middle tashahud. That's also a what? It's a... It's a sunnah. How do we know that it's a sunnah? The messenger left the tashahud al-awsat. He left it, sallallahu alayhi wa one time, by accident. When he left it... Are you with me? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. The Prophet, sallallahu he left the tashahud al-awsat when he was talking to the al-musi'u salatu, khalad ibn rafi'in. He left it, alayhi salatu salam. Does that make sense? And the fact that he left it shows that it's not anything he has to come with. So this shows that it's a sunnah is what the author is trying to push. What is the um, wordings of the tashahud and that the person needs to say? The most authentic one, without a doubt, the most authentic way of saying the tashahud is the, the riwayah ama the hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's wordings of the tashahud is the most authentic. It's in Bukhari and it's in Bukhari and Muslim. It's the most authentic. Hadith ibn Mas'ud is the strongest. And this is consent. That is the best one. Imam al-Nawi said, bil-ijma'. It is the most authentic form of tashahud by consensus. So what is this wording? His wording is At-tahiyyatu Lillahi was salawatu wa tayyibatu. Assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatu. Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. Ashadu, Allah ilaha illallah, wa ashadu, 
anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. This is what Abdullah ibn Mas'ud's wording was. That's the most authentic version by consensus. Are we all together? But if the person can choose the other narrations that have come, it's good. Hadith of Aisha and the other hadith that have come. Over 30 different wordings have come. Try to look into them, inshallah ta'ala, and try to memorize a great portion of it. The author then says, وَالْأَذْكَارِ الْوَارِدَةِ And the istiraha. Istiraha is the what? The istiraha is what? The istiraha is the sitting of before the qiyam. Before the person goes to the qiyam, there is a little istiraha that they have, which they sit. Before you get up, after the what? Sujood. There's a little sit that you can sit. The Prophet used to do that sometimes. We'll sit for a little bit and they'll get up. It's sometimes good to revive that. Some people what they do is they get up from the sujood, straight away they get up. It's good. The Prophet also did that. But again, all of these are ways that you want to change your prayer. So when you do your two sujoods, there's always that sit that you can sit. And then you get up. And then you... And these are things that you revive and you teach the people. What do you do? You're a teacher, so teach the people how to pray the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ. The author then says, The words of supplications in every pillar, except those which are obligatory, by the way. So for example, saying, Subhanallah, Allahu liman hamidah, and Subhanallah al-Azimah, Subhanallah Rabbi al-A'la. So Subhanallah Rabbi al-A'la, Subhanallah Rabbi al-Azimah. All of them are, they are sunnah. Also saying, Rabbi ghfirli, Rabbi ghfirli. All of these are what? All of them are sunnah. Last but not least, the tenth one is, وَالِسْتِكْثَارُ مِنَ الدُّعَاءِ بِخَيْرَيِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ بِمَا وَرَدَ وَبِمَا لَمْ يَرِدْ the tenth one is saying as many supplications as one wishes a person and seeking well-being in this world and the hereafter using the reported supplication narrated from the Prophet or unreported. So Imam al-Shawkani here he told us a couple of things. So increasing in the dua in the prayer is a sunnah. You don't have to. It's a sunnah. Those dua which you are asking for what? So number one, what we take from it is you are allowed to make worldly dua and no one should tell you that is a pity thing for you to do. Who else are you going to ask other than Allah Azza So if you have a worldly business that you want to speak, ask Allah for help, then naam, you're allowed to. It's your creator, that is your Lord. Ask Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also, matters related to the hereafter which are very important. And the best hadith that summarizes asking Allah for this dunya and the hereafter is Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana waqina waqina adab al-nar. For 12 years of my life, I know, or 13, I've never left that dua in the sujood. Rabbana atina. When I heard it, that Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned, rahimahullah ta'ala, that this hadith, this dua is jima'ud dua. It's the summary of all dua. That's it. Isn't that all we want in our dua? 
ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة وخنا حذاب النار That's all we want So sometimes you may not you might ask for this and ask for this but you forget what? Maybe the akhirah or maybe you only ask for the akhirah but you forget the dunya So what do you do? Whatever dua you make just say Rabbana Atina at the ending Are we all together brothers? Summarize it with that dua If you're doing a khutbatul jum'ah don't leave it Say it as an imam and let the people do the ta'meed for that Are we all together brothers? Because this dua is a comprehensive dua You're saying, oh Allah, give me the best of this world and the best of thee and protect me from the hellfire. Isn't that all we live for? Isn't that all we want? Are we all together, brothers? وَلِذَلِكَ the man, Mu'ad ibn Jabalin, he used to pray with the Prophet, Salatul Isha. He would pray Isha with the Prophet. And then what would he do after that? Huh? He would go back to his village or his town and he would lead the people. Are we all together? And then one man... He was very annoyed. He got upset. Why did he get upset? Because Mu'ad would, be, would come late. Because he, if he prayed with the Prophet, for him to get to them was late. And then once he did get when, when he did come to the masjid, he would lead long prayers. So the people suffered from that. So one man, what he did was, he just prayed and he left. And Mu'ad radiallahu ta'ala anhu saw that the man was missing and he said, so and so is a munafiq. So the man, when this happened, they came to the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to Mu'ad, Afatanun anta ya Mu'ad. Mu'ad, are you causing fitna? Are you trying to make fitna for the people? You want to bring problems to the people? That man died in a battlefield as a martyr, as the Prophet mentioned alayhi salatu wasalam. He was an hypocrite. But then the man said to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, when he was complaining to him, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't know all this stuff that Mu'ad is reading. He's a simple man. All this thing that Mu'ad is reading and you read or message of Allah, I don't know. All I ask Allah for is Jannah and I seek refuge from the hellfire. That's all I ask for. And then look what the Prophet said to him. That is what we are also doing, Mu'ad. Uh, me and Mu'ad are doing. That's also what we're looking for. That's a summary of our prayer, our fasting, our khayr. Isn't that what we're... All we want is Jannah. And then this, some people are very simple in life. They're what simple lives, simple people. So the, broker, the Prophet broke it down for him in a simple way. He said, oh, so, so are we. So are we doing the same. And then, that dua is very good. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adhaab al-nar. Which one? So the author here, rahimahullah ta'ala, he's talking about the ruku' and the sujood. Because the hadith that came in the ruku' what does it say? He said, the narrator says, أَمَّا الرُّكُوعُ فَعَظِّمُ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى فِيهِ Venerate Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. وَأَمَّا السُّجُودُ أَسْفَضِ السُّجُودِ فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِي الدُّعَاءِ So he's talking about the ruku' is what? Just venerating Allah. Are we all together? Just to venerate Allah. Glorify Him, that's it. You don't ask Allah for in the ruku'. Which one do you ask Allah for? The sujood. Are we all together, brothers? ولذلك ابن القيم took something from this رحمه الله تعالى is which one comes first the ruku' or the sujood the ruku' comes first before the sujood right so what did you do in the ruku' you venerated Allah when you came to the sujood what did you do you supplicated that's the order of your dua when you ask Allah outside the prayer what do you do you glorify Allah before you even start the dua you praise him 
اللهم فاطر السماوات والارض عالم الغيب والشهاده praise him and we all together brothers our messenger used to do that his qiyam al-layl before he even started anything he would say allahumma fatir as-samawati wal ard alim al-ghaybi wal-shahada anta tahkumu bayna ibadika fi ma kanu fi yakhtalifun then he would say ihdini before he would say guide me he would say, first of all exalt allah and praise him subhanahu wa ta'ala are we all together so one of the first things that you should do before you start your dua is honor allah tabarak wa ta'ala glorify allah tabarak wa ta'ala are we all together brothers any one of you here who can read the Arabic language, I ask you the early pages, the, the front pages of the kitab Ad-Da'u Ad-Dawa Ibn Al-Qayyim. I didn't know. If I knew I would have brought it. Da'u Ad-Dawa, the illnesses and the cures. He mentions conditions. If you come with, your dua will be accepted. Are we all together, brothers? There are conditions. If you and I come with, our dua will be what? Some people, they will come up to you and say, Brother, I have a problem. And you say, make dua. Allah, I have been doing it for a long time. And it's as though they are implying, even though they haven't said it, but they are implying that the dua is not, it's not effective, it's not working. The dua Ibn Al-Qayyim said in that book, he said it's like a seed. A seed. It's like a, does the seed grow in every land? Seed can produce a tree, it can, it can produce plants and things, but this seed, if you take it in the middle of the desert and you water it, will it come out? This land has to be a land that what? Fertile land, right? It has to be a. This dua has to come to a heart that is fertile. A heart that's saying it. A heart which is springing out from. It has to be a fertile land. And then look what he says after that. Ibn al Qayyim says, Rahimahullah ta'ala. The heart is the land. The dua is like the seed. He says there's two things that are needed. First of all, your heart has to be like that land which is fertile. Number two, the land has to be a land that there's no creature coming. That's taking the tree that you just planted and eating it. So you have to make a fence or something to protect it. True or false? The heart has to be protected from the sins. Are we all together, brothers? The dhunub and the ma'asi and the sins. They are, that you have to make a fortress. And what's that fortress that you need to do? The adkar and the dua. The adkar that you do. It protects. This is the relationship between the adkar and the dua. Am I making sense here, brothers? He goes in very good details. Rahimahullah ta'ala. I advise you guys to read the early pages of the dua. So if the person, he says, they start their dua by glorifying Allah. And then they send salutation on the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. Are you with me brothers? And the person comes with wudu. And the person faces the qibla. When they make their dua, face the qibla. And the person humbles himself. And the person stays away from sins and haram and all of that. Are we all together brothers? And the person raises his hands. And the person says, Ya Rabbu, a lot. And the person also says, Ya Dal Jalali Wal Ikram. He uses that term a lot. He also says all of that. Are we all together brothers? This is all a sign, it's all a path to the acceptance of this person's dua. When you raise your hands, you know amongst the creation of Allah is, as the Prophet told us, Rajulun Ba'ifun, a man who's weak, he's belittled in the eyes of the people. 
This man, the Prophet said, لَوْ أَقْسَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ لَأَبَرْ If he saw by Allah, Allah will be obedient to his request. Who's going to be obedient? Allah. لَوْ أَقْسَمَ عَلَى اللَّهِ If this person says, Wallahi, Allah is going to do this. Allah says, okay, I will do it. This person has reached a level of piety and nobility. Are you with me? We had a noble companion like that in this ummah. Does anyone who know who he was? The Sahabi that the Prophet was talking about in this narration was there was a particular companion he said this about. Homework, inshallah. Ah, it seems like ah, names are not good. You're not good with names, huh? You have to give importance to these companions' names. Research that companion, inshallah ta'ala. Now. Huh? La, Awais al Qarni wasn't a Sahabi, was he? Oh, Awais al Qarni? Was he? Huh? Say that again. You can say as much as you can, but three is the minimum, they say, scholars. Ah, they say. If the imam is longer than normal, you can just keep saying it. Ah, just means venerate Allah Azza wa Jalla. There's another thing that Ibn al-Qayyim mentions in the dua that I didn't mention is al-ilhah fi dua Ilhah is very important, brothers. Ilhah means you don't give up. You see, when you water a plant, you don't all water it once. You keep watering every day. And then finally you'll see the results, right? Somebody makes dua once or twice and that's it. Kalas. Are we all together, brothers? Do you, has any one of you here st- noted down the times when the dua are accepted? Do you know every time the narrations mention that the dua is accepted? If you don't know that, that's a problem on your side. Because that's the time that you, you want to make sure that you get all of those times in order to make the dua so it's effective. And you'll be doing that for a period of time. Or else you're just going to make, or else you're going to be making the dua on the wrong time. Are we all together, brothers? Sit down and learn the times when the narrations mention the du'as are accepted. Write them down, note them. Are we all together, brothers? Read the first couple of page of the kitab, Ad-Dawa Ad-Dawa, written by Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala. Mm-hmm. Now. Faslun fi mubtilatiha. This chapter, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go into the nullifiers of the prayer. What are the things that will nullify your prayer? Your prayer is no longer valid. So, this is what we're going to take. When will the salah go? And it will not be accepted to Allah wa ta'ala and it will be obligatory on the person to bring it back. When? And when is it not? So there's two times. There are times when you have to bring it back and a time when you don't have to bring it back. When is the difference? The first thing that nullifies a prayer is what? Talking. Talking, what does it do? It nullifies the prayer. This talking is when the person speaks عمداً, deliberately. And if somebody by accident forgets himself and says something in the salah, then of course, ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أو أخطأنا. Which one does it fall under? أو نسينا. 
He forgot that he's in the middle of the prayer. Are you with me, brothers? The evidence for that, the evidence for not speaking in the prayer, does anyone know? I gave the evidence last time. Ah. I need names. I need names. What's the name of the Sahabi? Yeah? Huh? Not Mu'ad. Not Ja'far. Mu'awiyah what? Not Mu'awiyah ibn Abi Sufyan. Mu'awiyah ibn Hakam al-Sulami. The one who said, Ain Allah, fi sama'i i'tiqaf, ayna mu'min. I told you the story before that. Sah? It was a Sahabi who spoke in the middle of the prayer. Someone sneezed and he said what? No, he said, Allah. Alhamdulillah is the one who sneezes says that, right? And then the people, then they, what they wanted to do is to silence him. They start hitting their thighs, like, be quiet. And he then said, Why do I see you all hitting your thighs? Why are you hitting? He's talking in the prayer. He started speaking more in the prayer. Why are you all hitting your thighs for? What's the problem? So the Prophet heard all of this. He could hear this, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. After that, he said, who's the person who did the talking? And the Prophet took him. And he said that the Prophet didn't shout at me. He didn't put me down. He didn't do anything to me like that. He just said to me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's the manners of the Prophet when it comes to teaching people. He corrected their mistake. He never let the mistake go by. He corrected it in a good manner, in a very good manner. He said, Inna salatana hadihi. As for our prayer that you saw, this salah, don't do these things. Don't speak inside it. What is in it? Just do your tasbih and do your takbir and read the Quran in there. So the scholars are unanimously in agreement that you're not allowed to speak in the prayer. And if you do, it will what? The Sahabas, they used to talk in the prayer. There was a time they used to talk to each other in the middle of the salah. Are we all together, brothers? Before the ayah came down, حافظوا على الصلاة والصلاة الوسطى وقوموا لله What does قانتين mean? أي ساكتين Before the ayah came down, they would talk in Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 30, 238. Ah. Huh? No, that's not speech. Speech here is your normal conversation. As for correcting a recitation of the Quran, you can. Like you can't say to a person, stand up properly. You can't say that in the prayer. Sahih? But what did we take in Nahaw grammar? Speech is what? Al-Kalamu huwa al-lafdu. Then it's salt. Lafdu means what? So anything, ishara, is that a prayer? Ishara, movements. Is that considered to be kalam? No. It's not kalam. It's not speech. So if a person, for example, opens a door, like as the Prophet ﷺ would do in the prayer when he would pray, in the, if somebody knocked on his door, he would go and he would open the door, Sallallahu Alaihi move back, open the door and he would go back to his position again the same is with picking up your child movements are no problem and restricting movements to three and issue there's no proof for that huh? as for the issue of responding to the greeting that even when the salams was done in the prayer they would do this 
ورد عن من؟ عن بعض السلف. As for the ahadiths, there's questions regarding it. Um, نعم. وبالاشتغال بما ليس منها. Also, the things that nullify the prayer is the person busying himself, preoccupying oneself with what is not related to the prayer. This also, what does it do? Like, for example, texting. I mean, say, I'm not talking. I'm texting. You can say that, right? Imam Shokani, he needs people bring this stuff up, right? So if you're doing something that hasn't got to do with the prayer, also what? It also nullifies. So you're not allowed to keep moving unnecessarily. Okay? Unnecessarily. Just keep moving around. It's not permissible. Like in the things that have come evidence, like picking up your child, put it, these are evidence. The Prophet opening the door, that's also evidence for that. Anything other than those necess- You see a child In the middle of the prayer You can see a child Is jumping off the window Grabbing him from the collar And bringing him back on the floor again And closing the window While you're in the prayer Jaiz Barura It's a necessity You have to do But you don't just let the child Fall out of the window No Also If a person leaves a pillar, or he leaves a prerequisite deliberately, also his, praise is what, his prayer is what? Nullified. It nullifies it. Intentionally leaving out two things. What is it? Two things. If you intentionally leave, it will nullify your prayer. The first one is the conditions, the prerequisites, the shurut, and the second one is the arkan, the pillars. So, here, the statement of the author is that he said if you leave it deliberately. So he's saying that if you don't leave it deliberately, you're excused. What he means by that, rahimahullah, is if you left it and the time went and you just never remember it. You did something, you just forgot it. You know, inshallah ta'ala, you're not held accountable. Are you with me, brothers? If you forgot something and you never remembered it are we all together brothers there's no problem upon you like and if you remember it within the time of the prayer it's still in and you remember it what do you do you have to bring it back salah has to be brought back even if you forgot it so if a person prayed the salah with no wudu no wudu what did he pray and then later he remembers he says Allah I prayed the without no wudu and the time of Dhuhr is in, you have to? You have to pray now. Now. So someone's going to say something? That which is in the bracket is not by the author. Let me have to pull my leaf. The author now is going to go into 
He's now going to go into who has to pray and who does not. And who does not. The author says, Fasl, wala tajibu, it's, the salah is not obligatory on who? Ala ghayri mukallafin. It is not obligatory upon other than the mukallaf. A mukallaf is what? Muslim, balik, aqil, those three. And the mas'alatul islam, we've spoken about it in details, right? The only three people who have to come with the salah are how many people? Muslim, balik, aqil. It has to be a Muslim, has to be balik, meaning he's reached age of puberty, and aqil means that he has sanity. It's weird. The scholars, when they're in usulul fiqh, they mention that the Muslim has to what? The kafir also has to pray. Do they not? They say the salah, We spoke about this in what? In al-waraqat, right? In sharah, usul fiqh. But when it comes to fiqh, the same scholars who are saying that, when it comes to fiqh, one of the conditions they say that Islam. So that's kind of contradicting, right? So the correct opinion is, two groups of people, the salah is... It's uh, not obligatory on them. Who is it? If the person hasn't reached age of puberty, he's not reached age of puberty, the salah is not obligatory on him. Are we all together? And the second one is what? Sanity. Like in some of the scholars, they sleeve off the word bulugh. And they take what? They take tamiz. Do you know why they take the term tamiz? Because the child who's 10 years old, the father has to command him even if he hasn't reached the age of puberty. Does that make sense? He's at a level where he knows things now. But he hasn't reached the age of puberty, they say he also has to pray. Why? The reason is because the Prophet said, instruct the child when he's at the age of 10. The Prophet said, فَرِّقُوهُمْ فِي الْمَضَاجِعِ وَهُمْ أَبْنَاءُ سَبْعٍ When they're seven, boys, this is your room, this is the boys' room. And this is the girl's room, sah? What age do you separate them from each other? Huh? Ikhtalaf al-ulama. Different opinion of the scholars now, huh? What age is it? Ha, so it's seven. You divide between them when they're seven. And... Farqoon fi al-madaj. Sorry, uh, Wallahi, I got confused here. Okay. Let's ask you Google. مروا أبناءكم بالصلاة لسبع واضربوا عليها لعشر وفرقوا بينهم في المضاجع صح جميل. so you command them when they are seven and you discipline them when they are ten. I didn't say beat them because I'm going to go back to the UK. so it's it's discipline. that's what I said. واضربوا عليهم وهم so you discipline them when they are ten. 
and you divide between them in their bedroom. So you say this is the boys' room and this is the girls' room. So some of the scholars they chose to not use the word bulur. What did they say? Atamiz. They use the word atamiz. Now. وتسقط على من عجز عن الإشارة. The author now goes into a person who can't even do ishara. Like that's the lowest level of praying. He cannot even do ishara. Ishara means he can't even, he can't use move his finger. خلاص. He has no ability. This individual, it drops from him. صحيح. And that's the minimum that they say the scholars is the lowest. And the evidence that they use is Fattakullaha Mastata'atum. And La Yukalifullahu Nafsan Illa Wus'ah. And some scholars believe the Salah does not leave you unless you lose your aqal. Yes. And that's the strongest opinion. There is a level, if the person can, he knows everything that's happening around him, he still has to pray. He knows what's happening, but he can't move. He's in a state of cannot move, but he knows. Is he conscious? I have to pray in his brain, in his heart. Are we all together, brothers? Because we, we have the condition of what? Aqal. Aqal is there. Are you with me? Abulug is there. His aqal is there, and his what? The puberty is there. Both of them, they're there. He has to pray. Are you with me, brothers? If he's in intensive care or he's in coma, people, if a person is in coma, does he have, is he conscious? So he's, he doesn't have to pray. He's not conscious. He's lost one of the two conditions that we mentioned. Are we all together, brothers? Lakin, some of the scholars, they added an additional point here right now is by saying he has to move his finger. But he's conscious. And he's got the two that we mentioned. But he can't move his finger. They say he doesn't have to pray. Muhammad Ali Shokan is called. Right? That is not correct. The person has to pray if he has puberty. And if he's what? He's got his sanity and he's conscious. He has to pray. Whatever way it is, it doesn't matter. If he can't move his fingers, then you're not able to do that. And you, you think about the prayer. What do you do? Think about it in your head and read whatever you can in your head. That's what he has to do. The author then says, Now. أو أغمي عليه حتى خرج وقتها. Now the author goes on to the المغمى عليه. Who is the مغمى عليه? The one who becomes the one who. So the author is mentioning how many people who are exempted from the prayer. Three people, right? He mentioned three. They exempted from the prayer. The first one was what? The one who is unable to pray. He can't do his head. He can't move the finger. Nothing. He's saying that the salah has been the exemption from the obligation. We questioned, we said that's not correct. The second one was what? The one who fell unconscious. We said that's correct. Because why? He takes the ruling of the what? The majnoon. He takes the ruling of the majnoon, the insane one. Because what's missing? The two conditions, which one is missing? Aqal is missing. And since aqal is missing, it's what? It is lifted from him. Lakin, remember this. The mugma alayhi. Are we all together, brothers? The mugma alayhi. Is he given the ruling of the insane one or a person who is sleeping? 
Which one of the two does he take? As, should we put him under the ruling of those, the one who is sleeping? Or the one who is crazy, who has gone insane? The scholars, they differ on this issue now. Are you there, brothers? If the Mu'ma Ali, he wakes up, and the time of that prayer hasn't gone, he takes the ruling of the sleeping one. Are you there, brothers? But if he's been out for the timing of the prayer went, that salah is not obligatory, he doesn't have to bring it back, just the prayer that's in. Does that make sense? That's the best way to reconcile between the views of the scholars. Now. ويصلي المريض قائما ثم قاعدا على ثم قاعدا ثم على جنب. The author says, ويصلي المريض the one who is sick. What does he do? He prays up. He, if the person is ill, he should try to maintain the standing posture, the standing position. If he's unable, what is he going to do? He sits down. If he's unable to, what does he do? He does a reclining posture. He lies down on his side. And this is based on what? It's based on the hadith of um, Imran ibn Hussein that we mentioned before. Which is that the Prophet said to him Salli qa'iman fa'ilam tastati' fa'qa'idan fa'ilam tastati' fa'ala fa'ala jambin. The Prophet said pray standing up. If you're not able to sit down. If you're not able to recline. Um نعم. باب صلاة التطوع. We're going to now go into the صلاة التطوع. صلاة التطوع is the the voluntary prayer. About the supererogatory prayer. It's the prayers that are voluntary. Salatu. Salatu tatawu'. It is that prayer which is not obligatory. We're now going to go into it, inshallah ta'ala. How many prayers did we say are obligatory? Khamsa salawat. Five daily prayers. Filiyomi wal layla. We took the hadith of Talha ibn Ubaidila, right? The man that came to the Prophet. He said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah. Teach me the prayer. He mentioned the shahada. He asked about Islam. The Prophet told him about the shahada. And the Prophet taught him about what? Salah. And the Prophet told him that the salah, how many prayers are obligatory? He told him, خَمْسُ صَلَوَاتٍ فِي الْيَوْمِ وَالْلَيْلَةِ Five prayers. In the day and the? In the night. Then the Arabi, the Bedouin, he said, هَلْ عَلَيَّ غَيْرُهَا Is there any other prayer other than that? The Prophet said to him, La. Unless you come with what? Unless you come with voluntary prayers. So anything other than the Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha and Fajr, any other prayer is a what? It's a tatawr. It is a... It's a tatawr. It's extra. Now the author is going to give us... He's going to give us the eight... How many prayers? There are eight prayers that are what? Voluntary prayers. Yeah. Now the author goes in. These prayers that he mentions, what are they called? As-Sunnah al-Rawatib. 
The Sunnatul Rawatib is what the author is going to mention. And Sunnatul Rawatib are what? They are Al-Nawafil At-Tabi'atu Lil-Faridah. Sunnatul Rawatib are what? Al-Nawafil At-Tabi'atu Lil-Faridah. They are the extra prayers that follow the obligatory prayers. What are they? It's as the author mentioned, four before what? Dhuhr and after. After Dhuhr. Are we all together? Four before Dhuhr and how many before it? And after. We're going to go mention the Khilafat and difference of opinions now. Now we're going to go into it. So it's four before Dhuhr. And how many be after it? Four after it. We're going to mention all the difference Aqwal and the Dili. That's one. <coughs> what he mentioned. I'm mentioning what he mentioned. The second one was what? Wa'arba'un qabla al-asri. And four before? Asr. Wa'arak'atani ba'da al-maghribi. And how many rak'at after maghrib? Two after maghrib. Number four. Wa'arak'atani ba'da al-isha'i. And two rak'at after the two rak'ah after Isha. Are we all together? And two rak'ah before Fajr. Are we all together, brothers? These are how many altogether? Twelve, right? So four, four. That's how many? Huh? So let's do it one more time. Four. Four before Dhuhr. Four after Dhuhr. How much is that? Eight. Are you sure it's eight? Four before Asr. We're twelve here. Two rak'ah after Maghrib. Yeah? Good. And two after? Isha. And two before Fajr. How many altogether? Huh? 18. Let's go to the hadith now. Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma he said, Hafidtu minan Nabi sallallahu I memorized 10 rak'ah from the Prophet. Rak'ataini two rak'ah qabla al-dhuhri. Two before dhuhr. Wa rak'ataini ba'daha. Two before dhuhr and two after dhuhr. Abdullah ibn Umar is saying this. Wa rak'ataini and two rak'ah ba'da al-maghribi. In my house. وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ بَعْدَ الْعِشَاءِ فِي بَيْتِهِ And two rak'ah after Isha in his house. And two rak'ah before Fajr. How many do you have here? You have ten. Have to bring all the narrations together, right? Good. Bukhari then narrated in his Sahihain. He said, وَرَكْعَتَيْنِ Abdullah ibn Umar said, And two rak'ah بَعْدَ الْجُمْعَةِ Rakatain Ba'd al-Jum'ah Okay Good Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anhu Look what did she, what did she say Kana al-Nabiyu The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La yad'u arba'an qabla al-dhuhri He never used to leave four before Dhuhr Abdul ibn Umar mentioned how many Aisha mentioned how many So we need to take that on board We need to take it on board Okay What's remaining that, that, that's outstanding now that the author mentioned that we still don't have evidence for? 
the four after Dhuhr and the four before Asr. Those we need the evidence for. Hadith of Umm Habiba. The hadith of Umm Habiba. She said, Man salla arba'a rak'atin. Anyone who prays arba'a rak'at. Qabla dhuhri before dhuhr. Wa arba'an ba'daha and four after it. Harram Allahu alayhi nar. Allah makes the hellfire. Ama harramahu Allahu. Allah makes him haram from what? Ala nari the hellfire. This hadith, scholars, they questioned its authenticity. Are we all together? Some scholars, they question its what? Authenticity, such as who? Al-Imam al-Nasai, rahimahullah. And also Abu al-Hajjaj al-Mizzi questioned this narration. Are you with me, brothers? He questioned it. So the hadith that mentions four before dhuhr is what? It's questionable, right? It's what? So after Dhuhr, sorry. After Dhuhr, sorry. Jazakallah khairan. What about the narration that mentions four before Asr? It's also a weak narration. Also a weak narration. That's mentioned in the Kitab Sunani Ad-Daraqutni. Daraqutni Sunan. Are we all together, brothers? Which is the hadith, may Allah have mercy upon the slave. Rahimallahum ra'an. May Allah have slave, mercy on the slave. Salla, who prays qabla al-asri arba'an. He prays before asr for. This hadith is weak. And Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah used to weaken it. So how much is the four, 12 now? How do, we, how do we have the 12? What's the correct opinion? The 4 is what? Let's go together through to it. The 12 is... Two before? Two before? Fajr. No, no, we start from Dhuhr, we don't start from Fajr. Okay, brothers. Two before what? Four before Dhuhr, sorry. And how many after it? Two after it. How many before uh, Maghrib? After Maghrib, sorry? Two. After Isha, two. After Fajr, sorry, before Fajr, before Fajr. How much do you have? Those are the 12 that you guys mentioned. Are we all together, brothers? After Jum'ah is two, but that's the question. If you consider Jum'ah to be Dhuhr, it's place. This is a mas'ala Ahlul Ilmi have differed upon. Is Jum'ah Fajr? So, some scholars are of the opinion that Jum'ah is Dhuhr's place. Some scholars believe that. And some scholars believe Jum'ah is taking the place of Dhuhr. There's no Dhuhr anymore. And this, based on that opinion, are we all together brothers? Based on that opinion, if you believe that Dhuhr is a substitute of what? Of Jum'ah? If Eid and Jum'ah happen on the same day and you pray what? And you pray what? You pray Eid, you don't have to pray Dhuhr. You, you just have to pray Salat al-Asr. That's of the opinion of those scholars who say it's the same. It's a mas'ala we will go into when we come to the Jum'ah, insha'Allah ta'ala. Okay? This issue, don't quote me on it yet. Don't say anything to me after the class. 
We will come to it inshallah ta'ala when when we come to the chapter of Jum'ah. If we come to it today, good. If we're not, we don't. We'll talk about it in details, okay? Can everyone, did everyone hear me on that? Ah, I don't want people saying, Abdurrahman said you, can't, you don't have to pay dhuhr. So that's it. One more time, let's say again. How many before Dhuhr? After Dhuhr? After Maghrib? After Isha? Two. After? Uh, before Fajr? So let me say it so the sisters will also hear the microphone. So it's four before? Four before Dhuhr. And how many is it after Dhuhr? Two after Dhuhr. And Asr, how much, uh, sorry, Maghrib before it is what? So, sorry, after Maghrib is how many? Two after Maghrib. Hey, let me think again slowly. Which slide next? Isha is next. Okay, how much after Isha? Two after Isha. And how much before Fajr? Two. Good. That's the 12th, inshallah. Now. وصلاة الضحى وصلاة الليل وأكثرها ثلاث عشرة ركعة يوتر في آخرها وتحية المسجد والاستخارة وركعتان بين كل أذان وإقامة. The author now goes into the prayer of al-duha. صلاة الضحى is what? ابن أبي ليلى he said ما أخبرنا أحد أنه رأى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الضحى غير أم هاني. Um Hani is the one who told the companions no, no other companion narrated it Ibn Abi Layla is saying About Salatul Duha except Um Hani And then Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The messenger Yawma Fatih Makkah the, the day of the conquest of Makkah Iqtasala fi baytiha He showered in her house Fasalla thamaniya rak'at He paid how many rak'at? Eight Fama ra'aytu She said I never saw him Salla salatin Praying a prayer minha more lighter than that prayer. He prayed it very lightly. Even that being said, his ruku' and sujood were complete the way he was doing it. Bukhari and Muslim both narrated that. So that's what it, it is. Also Abu Huraira said, Awsani Khalili, my Khalil, he told me how many what? He told me how many things? Three things. I ask you guys a question. The Prophet said in a hadith, لو كنت متخذا من أهل الأرض خليلا لاتخذت أبا بكر خليلا. If I was to ever take a خليل on this earth, I would have taken who as a خليل. So why is Abu Hurairah saying my خليل said? And the Prophet didn't have no خليل on this earth. Did you guys ever ask yourself that question? The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said, if I was to take a خليل on this earth, I would have taken Abu Bakr. But I won't take خليل anyone. Because Allah took me as a Khalil. Are you with me? But why would Abu Huraira say, My Khalil told me three things? Jameel. He's looking at it from his side, not the Prophet's side. Are we all together, brothers? Meaning he's a Khalil to me. But in return, is he a Khalil to the Prophet? No, the Prophet, no one. He said, If I was to give that level to anyone, I would have given it to who? Abu Bakr. أوصاني خليلي ما خليل تتمي بثلاث three things لا أدعون حتى أموت three things the prophet told me and I will never leave them until I die the prophet advised me three things I will do it until I die صوم ثلاثة أيام من كل شهر 
through every month, how many days do you fast? Which are called the what? Ayamul Bid. Min kulli shahad. Wa salati al-duha. And the salatu al-duha. Wa nawmi ala witrin. Wa nawmi ala witrin. To sleep on a what? After praying witr. Are we all together brothers? If the Prophet said this to Abu Huraira, does it specifically mean to him or is it everybody? Please brothers, you heard this hadith. Don't be a person who hears a hadith and does not implement it in his life. You heard this hadith today. What benefit does knowledge benefit you if you've just heard a narration from the Prophet? You've heard a mas'ala, hikm shar'i. And not take it into, and bring it into your life. Why? Why are you learning this hadith for now? This hadith should be implementation from tomorrow onwards. That you don't sleep from today onwards unless you pray witr. And every month, three days, just three days, those three days, you fast. You make sure you fast. And you pray Salatul Duha. What do you do? You pray Salatul. All of these Salawat, it's highly recommended to pray where? The Sunnah is good to pray in the house. Now. What days are the Ayamul Bayl again? Who knows it? Say it loudly for the for, for, for first hearing. Do you know the white nights? 13, 14, and what? Is it in the Gregorian calendar or the Islamic calendar? Say it loud. Islamic calendar. So it's not like January 13, 14, and 15. Okay? With well, that, this issue is very tricky because uh, uh, some people they look at divorces and they look at it according to the Gregorian calendar. No, that's wrong. Islam doesn't care about the Gregorian calendar. Are we all together, brothers? When it says the idda arba'ata ashurin wa ashara, ten month, four months and ten days, it's talking about Islamic calendar. And you see people looking at the Gregorian calendar, and it's like the, she's like the idda is finished, and she goes and gets married within the time of the idda. Because this one didn't finish. Are we all together, brothers? So, make sure when you read these kind of rulings, you know that what's been spoken about and what's been discussed here, okay? Um, we spoke about Salatul Duha. Wa Salatul Layli. Salatul Layli is what? It means Qiyamu. Qiyamul Layl. And it's a, what? it's a voluntary prayer. It's voluntary for who? Anybody other than the? If you now took the Prophet's path as a believer, you became a student of knowledge. For you, what was obligatory on the Prophet should become obligatory? That's how you live your life. What was obligatory for him, you take it upon yourself to do it like that. You're not saying I'm changing the rule of Allah, but you're saying I'm going to do it like it's obligatory on me. Are we all together, brothers? ولذلك الإمام أحمد رحمه الله تعالى هي سليمان، and he he came to seek knowledge from him، and he slept in Imam Ahmed's place in Imam Ahmed's house، and when he stayed with Imam Ahmed in his house، and Imam Ahmed he brought water for him for قيام الليل، but he brought it for him، and Imam Ahmed prayed all night، and then when Fajr came he brought new water thinking that the man used the old water، so Fajr came he brought new water he saw that the previous water wasn't used. And then Imam Muhammad said to the, the man who came to seek knowledge, he said, Sahibu hadithi laysa lahu wirdu min al-layl. 
a student of knowledge who traveled the world to come and seek knowledge of hadith and he doesn't have a portion of the night. Brothers, your Lord Allah Azza comes down the last third of the night. Allah comes down. I don't know what I mean, but that's our belief. Allah comes down. And you know when he comes down, do you know what he says? Allah says, Hal min Is there a person who's asking me, who wants me to give something to him? I am here, I'll give it to you. Is there anyone who wants forgiveness? I'm here to forgive them. And that you're in that moment sleeping, you're snoring. Allah ar- arrived. He's saying to his slaves, who wants something? And I am sure every single one of us is in need of something. True or, true or false? You're in need, you're hungry, you're in need, you need Allah Azza wa That moment that Allah came down and you're responding with a snore. When he came down, that's very bad. So what do you do? You wake up. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he spoke about the qiyamul layl is the doing of the righteous people. And Allah ta'ala, what did he say about the believers? Tatajafa, tatajafa junubuhum alim madajih yadhuna rabbam khawfan wa tama'a wa mimma razaqnahum yufiqun. The righteous people, this is what they know. Wabil asharihum, wabil asharihum yastaghfirun. At midnight they stand up and they ask Allah for forgiveness. When they turn in there, Wallahi, the, the sign of a abid, a worshipper who believes in Allah, who sticks to his deen, hatta you know what he does, Wallahi. Some of the ulama I met, you think their life is, even in their private situations, you'd be shocked what they do. I remember some of the mashayikh I stayed with, when they're in bed and they're turning around, they're saying akhar. They're sleeping. They wake up and they say their dhikr, subhanallah, they turn over. In their sleep. Wallahi, they get up and they turn around in bed and they're doing dhikr in those tosses and those turns. Wallahi, so in my eyes. Are we all together, brothers? Sakanatum wa harakatum wa humumum wa humumum lillahi la lil khalqi. It's all for Allah Azza wa Jalla. When they're silent, they're silent because they want to please Allah. When they're talking, they're talking to please Allah Azza wa Jalla. When they're everything about their life, when we watch these people, it's all for what? It's for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at night, fi dujalayl, the person has to stand up and pray to Allah Azza wa Jalla. You're a student of knowledge, you're a believer who believes in Allah Azza wa Jalla, make dua. Beg Allah Azza wa Jalla. Humble yourself for Him. Naam. You wake up before Salah. When you look, the best thing to. Are you with me, brothers? The best thing to do is what? It's to sleep after you pray your witr. And you get up again. Why do you get up? pressure you're putting on yourself you're like ah oh, have to get up and you're pushing yourself the reward is in accordance to that hardship that you have to go through are you with me brothers and the sunnah is before fajr what do you do you lie down just before the, the Prophet would lie down you know the story about Bilal after he prayed Qiyam layl he would lie down and Bilal would say Ya Rasulullah the time of the prayer has come in I saw Sheikh Muhammad Ali Adam in Ethiopia. Sheikh Muhammad Ali Adam, I saw him in the masjid lie down even when, the, when he prays. When he prays, he comes into the masjid, he lies down in the masjid. To revive that? To revive that. May Allah give the Sheikh a cure. That's the strongest opinion that we believe. You are allowed to pray Qiyamul Layl even after you prayed Witr. 
That's the strongest opinion. That when you pray, to, some people what they do is they don't pray the witr with the salat of tarawih, they go home. And they leave. No, pray witr, go home and pray if you want again. You can pray salah after witr. Are we all together, brothers? We'll go into that mas'ala, inshaAllah ta'ala, when we, when we get the chance, inshaAllah ta'ala. Look what the Prophet said to Abdullah ibn Umar. Abdullah ibn Umar. Um, he said to him, Ya, Ab- ya Abdullah. The Prophet he said to him, Ya Abdullah, Abdullah, لا تكن مثل فلان. Don't be like so and so. The Prophet said this. كان يقوم الليل. He used to stand up at night. فترك قيام الليل. And he left praying at night. ولذلك when and Fatim, uh, sorry, Hafsa, she came to the Prophet وسلم, and she said to the Prophet, Abdullah ibn Umar had a dream last night and he wants to know the interpretation of the dream. So the Prophet listened to the dream and what did he sense from the dream? That Abdullah ibn Umar doesn't pray. And then the Prophet وسلم, he said, Abdullah ibn Umar would have been a righteous slave of Allah if he stood up at night. Abdullah ibn Umar is a righteous man if only he stood up at the night. Huh? He, Abdullah ibn Umar is a righteous man if only he stood up at the night prayer. Abdullah ibn Umar that day onwards he never used to miss the prayer. When is the time to pray Qiyamul Layl? It is from Ba'da Salatil Isha'i after Salatul Isha until Fajr. It's, it's open for you. You can pray. What's the most that you can pray? How much is the most that you can pray? Remember we said that this salah is from the salah which is nawafil mutlaqa. It's the unrestricted salah. Inshallah ta'ala you can pray as much as you want but it's best to pray what? 11 is good. The witr. How much is, how much is the witr? The Prophet prayed the witr one. He prayed three. He prayed five. And he prayed seven. All of that which is transmitted from him. Witr, witr, witr. Are we all together brothers? The Prophet prayed witr once, one rak'ah. He also prayed what? Three, he also prayed. And he also prayed? Seven. Those are all the witr of the Prophet sallallahu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How do you pray the taraweeh? How, how do you pray qiyamul layl? You pray two, two, two units. The Prophet said, Mathna, 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 fa'idha khashita, when you fear as-subha, when you fear subh, fa'salli rak'atan, just pray one rak'ah. Make the last portion of your prayer witr. I will together. So if you did pray a witr before, don't miss the other witr again. Make that the last thing. It doesn't show that you can't pray a witr, or pray after it. It's just that if you do pray after that witr, then you should do another witr again after the, the ending of this. Does that make sense? So can you pray two witr at one night? Can you pray two witr? You can, inshallah ta'ala. You can, you can pray two witr at one night, no problem. Faddal. And the author, rahimahullah, he mentions, وَالصَّلَاةُهُ And the salat of... He mentions, وَتَحِيَّةُ الْمَسْجِدِ, right? He mentions, the تَحِيَّةُ الْمَسْجِدِ. تَحِيَّةُ الْمَسْجِدِ is what? تَحِيَّةُ الْمَسْجِدِ it is, um, it's a, uh, it's when you come into the masjid, you greet the masjid with what? Some people say that when you come to the Kaaba, the tahiyatul masjid of the Kaaba is a what? That's not correct. 
الحديث از جنول اذا دخل احدكم المسجد فلا يجلس حتى يصلي ركعتين از تو ذا كعبه ان اصاد ذا كعبه سو ذا تحيه المسجد ذا كعبه از وات؟ It's two rak'ah, it's the same as anywhere else. It's the same as the ruling of Tahiyatul Masjid actually is a sunnah bitifaq al-ulama. If you look at the aqwal of the salaf, no one from the salaf said it was wajib. All together, the only people who said it was wajib were the dahiriya. And before then, there was a consensus that it was what? Sunnah. Are we all together, brothers? Um, the author then mentions the istikhara. And istikhara is what? Istikhara is to ask Allah ta'ala in, to bring the best out of a matter for you. It is talabu khayr al-khayrayni. Two khayr that is in front of you, which of the two is better for you? You have, you have an option, either this or that. So you're saying, oh Allah, I am asking which of those two is good for me. Um, the Prophet used to teach his companions istikhara. Like he would teach them an ayah from the Quran. As Jabir ibn Abdullah said, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعلمنا الاستخارة The messenger would teach us استخارة في الأمور كلها in all of our affairs. Okay? كما يعلمنا the way he would teach us what? The way he would teach us an ayah about a surah from the Quran. And that, so that's what استخارة is. Some people believe istikhara when they pray it and I think inshallah ta'ala maybe a whole conference or dawra should be done on the ahkam and the fiqh relating to istikhara. Like in some people what they believe is that when they do the istikhara they're going to necessarily see a dream and that's the dream is going to tell them don't do it. Naam. Now once you pray the istikhara you put your head to one of the decisions that you've made and you work towards it. And inshallah ta'ala with the istikhara and Allah ta'ala protecting you this matter may not work out for you. And once it doesn't work out for you, inshallah, you should know it's what? It wasn't good for you, inshallah ta'ala. Hakana. The delil of the, uh, the author then goes into the rak'atayn bayna kulli adhanin wa iqama. Between every adhan and iqama, there is what? Two rak'ah that you can pray. Based on the hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hadith Abdullah ibn Mughaffal, which is in Bukhari and Muslim. Bayna kulli adhanayn Salah between the two adhans are what? And the Arabs they have this, this comment. It says two adhan, but it's meant to be what? Adhan and? This is called at taghlib. What is it called in the Arabic language? At taghlib. You, you say, for example, al aswadain, the two aswads. Which one is black? The, the date or the water? Are you with me, brothers? Or Al-Isha'in, scholars they say. Ama Al-Umarain. Who's Umarain? Abu Bakr and Al-Qamarain. Is the son and the... They have this very common. Are you with me, brothers? That's very common. So here, it means Adhan and Iqama. The Prophet said, Bayna kulli adhanayni salatun. Bayna kulli adhanayni salatun. Bayna kulli adhanayni salatun. And then he said after that, Liman... Whoever wants to. Some of the people they do that, but now they understood the adhan to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, here we have to mention a point. Ah, 
when you come into the masjid and the adhan just went off, you can combine the two intentions and you get both rewards. It's called التداخل النيات Since they're both the same in terms of status and one is not wajib and the other is sunnah, what are you allowed to do? You can combine inshaAllah. Just like the Prophet ﷺ, he used to pray and he also used to teach the companions at the same time. He had two intentions out in, in one. So he would go on the pulpit and he would actually pray. And when he finished his prayer, he would say, Sallu kama raitumuni. So what did he do? What did he have? He had, what were the two intentions? To teach the companions. And the second intention was what? <coughs> to pray. Of course, he wanted to pray. Um, one thing I do have to mention, which is that, which one is obligatory? The voluntary prayer or the obligatory prayer? The obligatory prayer is, 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 is you have to do the obligatory prayer, right? Some of the reality of some people is they come into the masjid, especially the Hanaf, the Hanaf and the Sunnah of uh, ah, Sunnah al Fajr, they're praying in the back when there is Jama'ah going off. Yes, yes. And this is wrong. wrong. Extremely wrong because of the Prophet's statement وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي the nawafil comes after what? The fara'id. The fara'id comes first. You have to do that. The first thing you're going to be accounted for the day of judgment is what? Which salah? The fara'id is what you're going to be counted. The If the person finishes the fara'id, he came with it. That's good. But if he didn't, then it will be said, okay, where is this voluntary? The voluntary is extra to help you. So the asal and the number one, the first priority is what? So what we say is, la salata, there's no prayer ma'al wajib. When there's wajib, there's nothing else. Everything's shut down. Everything has to stop. And everyone has to go towards the wajib. Okay? Everyone has to go towards the wajib. Now. باب صلاة الجماعة. Now we're going to go into the the congregational prayer, صلاة الجماعة. We're going to take the صلاة الجماعة, the congregational prayer. Now, so we're going to two things we're going to speak about here. We're going to speak about the ruling of it and the ahkam of it. What's the ruling of صلاة الجماعة? Okay, is it obligatory? Is it highly recommended or not? And we're also going to speak about and other issues related to it, inshallah ta'ala, other matters related to it. Now, the author says the congregational prayer is what? It's from the Sunnah. So he believes it's what? Sunnah. It's from the Mustahabbat. Now, um, the author, rahimahullah, so before we go in, the author said, before we go in, he said, It's the most emphasized sunnah, mu'akkada. Are you with me, brothers? It's the strongest form of sunnah. And the reason, the evidence that the Shaykh and others who believe this opinion are holding on to is the Prophet, وسلم, he said, Salatul jama'ah tafdulu salat al fadhi bi sab'in wa ishirina daraja. That the congregational prayer. Is better than the singular prayer. How many? 27. So what is he trying to take from that? He's trying to take from that. That the prayer 
which the person prays by himself is accepted to Allah Azza wa Jalla. It's what? It's accepted. There's no problem. You can pray it. So here the question is, is Salatul Jama'ah wajib or is it mustahab? Scholars differ on this issue. And that which is strong is that the Salatul Jama'ah fil masjid in the masjid is wajibah fi haqqir rijal for the men. Those who don't have no excuse. The evidence for this is a man came to the Prophet who was blind. Okay, don't shout. Who is this blind companion who came to the Prophet? And he was asking about the congregational prayer. I want, who knows this, the name of this companion? The name, no, 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 no. If you pick up your hand quickly, that means you know it. I don't want those who know. I want those who look scared and nervous. Fadl, uh, you put your hand up first. Is he right? Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. Huh? Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. Is that, is that right? Sahih, it's him. He was blind. And does anyone know what he was to the Prophet? Like, what, what was the relation of this? What, what was his role? What was he known for? What was he like? He was a? He was a blind? He was a blind companion. Also? He was a Mu'addin. He was a prophet. So is a condition that the Mu'addin has to see when he does the Adhan. Some of you don't even think about these questions. Huh? He's a Mu'addin and he's blind. He can't see. Can he do Adhan? So does a Mufti have to be... Can a Mufti be blind? Yes. Have you guys ever thought of this question? Fuqaha and Usuliyin, they don't let that go by. Okay, I want, inshallah ta'ala, research on this issue, okay? Are we all together, brothers? The Mufti, can he be blind? Or does he have to see in order to give the verdict and the fatwa to things? He can be blind. Some of you, this is probably the first time you, this question has ever come to your mind, sah? Now you have to, as I said before, you have to think of things. Question, research. Ask questions, brothers. Ask. Find out. Look into issues. That's where you become sharp and you start learning your deen even more. Don't stop at the level where the normal people stop at. A companion came to the Prophet and just said, okay, wow, a companion came. Ask more. But don't ask me after the class when I want to go home. Ata rajulun a'ma, a blind man came to who? The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, faqali ya Rasulullah, he said, I have nobody to grab me by the hand and to take me to the masjid. Pay attention, he's blind, he can't see. I don't have anyone to take me to the masjid. To the masjid. Fasa'ala Rasulullah, the Prophet then said to him, he said, O Messenger of Allah, can I just pray at home? The Prophet said, okay. For you, okay. When the man turned away, Da'ahu, the Prophet called him. The scholars here, they said, the Prophet, first of all, he done ijtihad. And he got his ijtihad wrong. Are you with me, brothers? This is the way that the scholars reconcile between sometimes the Prophet saying something, getting it wrong, and saying that everything that the Prophet said was a revelation. How do you reconcile between those two views? In huwa illa. He doesn't speak from everything he says is a what? 
But first he gave a verdict and he came back from the verdict. The scholars, they say, what it means is that sometimes he would give a verdict from himself. He do ijtihad, alayhi salatu wasalam. He would get it right. Allah, if Allah didn't respond to him, that means that ijtihad was backed by revelation. If it got corrected, that means that that verdict of his was wrong. So either way, every time, what does he have on his side? A revelation. Does that make sense? Every time the Prophet has a what? The revelation on his side, on his side in whatever he says. That's what the ayah means. Does that make sense? Shaykh Abdul Musa Abad mentioned that in the beginning of his, or the early stages of his, Sharhu Sunan Abi Dawood. So the man, when he's asked and he turned around and the Prophet walked away, the Prophet said to him, Hal Can you hear the adan? He said it to him. Did you hear the adan? For the prayer. The man said, I do. Then the Prophet said, Fa'ajib. Obey it. This is the evidence to show. If you can't hear the adhan, you can pray at home. If you don't hear the adhan in, your, in, in, in UAE, wherever you live, you can't hear the adhan, then you're allowed to pray in the house. Because the Prophet's condition was what? Do you, do you hear the adhan? Are we all together, brothers? Does that make sense? Then the question that some scholars put forward is, is it talking about the person's bare voice or is it talking about with these mukabbirat, asawtiyah, these microphones? The strongest opinion is that even the microphone falls under it because you can hear the person's voice. Sahih. So with your voice of the microphone, if you hear the adhan and it hits your ear, what do you have to do? You have to pray in that masjid. You have to get up. You have to pray. So this hadith, what does it show? He obliged on a man who doesn't even see Alayhi salatu wasalam. Are we all together brothers? I one time watched a video of a blind man Who had a rope from his house to the masjid Did you guys see that video? Where he holds onto the rope And he comes to the masjid like that Allah Allahu Akbar So it's very important Wallahi. Very very important Sometimes you see the shabab, the youth In my masjid Fajr There's this uncle Every single time he's there, you can never beat him. He's always at the front row, he's reading his mushaf. Those are the kind of people you need to compete with. I said, Uncle, next time, inshallah, ta'ala, I'm make sure I come before you. And it's sad because. So one time I came to the corridor, I saw him, I said, Uncle, I'm going to get there earlier than you. You know, I'm going to get to the masjid first. It's, just, it's sad to see the youths and the youngsters come late. Who comes early? The seniors and the elders will come early to the masjid. And they will be there before everybody else. Isn't that sad, brothers? Sheikh Albani used to say to his students, he said, I'm old, and I fast every Mondays and Thursdays, and you guys are? Young youths. And some of you are missing the, uh, the, the edge of fasting. To show you the jama'ah is obligatory, even in the jihad, the Muslims are fighting, we're going to see how to, how to pray that salah, it's called salatul khawf, we're going, to be, we're going to be showing it, inshallah ta'ala, how to pray that prayer. That prayer, what did Allah ta'ala command the believers? To pray together. To the middle, middle of the battlefield. What were they commanded? To pray together. Jama'ah in the middle of the battlefield. That shows you that the jama'ah is what? It's wajib. Also what shows that it's wajib is that the Messenger sallallahu when he said, it came to my mind, I wanted to do. Do what? To burn the house. Buyuta al-ladina la yahdhuruna salat al-jama'ah. 
Those who are not coming to the Salat al-Jama'ah. I was going to burn them in their houses. What is it that stopped him? The women and the children. He wanted to burn them. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If it was Sunnah, would he burn them? Would that idea come to his head? All of that, brothers, is shwat. And what kind of husband are you? And what example are you setting if you're praying in the house with your wife? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Haqiqah, I know it hurts. Some of you have said this about like it's the truth. You're a man and you should be praying in the Jumu'ah and the Jama'ah. You should be praying in the masjid. You shouldn't be praying at home. You pray your sunnah home. You follow that command and then you leave. You go and you pray. You know what the Sahabas they said? The Sahabas they said, a man, you know the famous hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, that a man will be brought to the jama'ah, his legs are dragging, he's sick, he can't come. He's dragged to the masjid. And you know Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said? He said, وَمَا يَتَخَلَّفُ No one would stay from us and stay at home إِلَّا رَجُلٌ مُنَافِقٌ مَعْلُومُ النِّفَاقِ a man whose hypocrisy was known out of necessity. That was the only man who was at home praying in the house. Are we all together, brothers? The munafiq, ma'lumun nifaq, whose nifaq and hypocrisy is well known, is the one who prays at home. Or who used to pray at home at the time of the Prophet. Every other companion was where? It was, an, it was in the masjid. So you have to, brothers, pray in the masjid now. The author goes into a concept called uh, The jama'ah can be with what? Two people Two people can be a jama'ah Some of the fuqah they say this is not You have to three is the Arabic language Jama'ah starts from what? Three or more Two is called a muthanna That's not it No We have a delay for it And إِذَا وَرَدَ الدَّلِيلُ when there's evidence, there's no ijtihad or independent reasoning. We have jama'ah happening with what? With two. And the evidence for this is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, which is in Bukhari and Muslim. He said, Abdullah ibn Abbas, and he said, Bittu inda khalati, I stay with my khala, his maternal auntie. His maternal auntie. فَقَامَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يُصَلِّي مِنَ اللَّيْلِ The Prophet stood up at night to pray. Maymuna was the auntie. Whose auntie is she? Abdullah ibn Abbas. He said, I stayed with my auntie and the Prophet stood up at night and he prayed. فَقُمْتُ أُصَلِّي مَعَهُ And then I went in to pray with him. فَقُمْتُ عَنْ يَسَارِي I stood on his left. فَأَخَذَ بِرَأْسِ He grabbed him by the head. فَأَقَامَنِي عَنْ يَمِينِهِ And then he placed me from on my right. Are we all together, brothers? Like in some people have misunderstood this concept, which is, if it's two people, you can stand on the left and the right. Okay? It's only when it's only one person. Does it make sense, brothers? We won't go do tafsir, too much details into this. If it's one person, you're not allowed to stand on the... Like, and if it's what? Two people. And the masjid is full, or the place is full, can two people, can they stand on the left and the right? The asal is that if it's two, they go back. They go back after the imam, behind the imam. But if it's what? If it's no space for them, can another person who finds a spot on the left, can he stand on this? I remember one time, a brother nudged me, he said, go back. But there's no place to go back. He wouldn't let nobody stand on his left. He wouldn't let, he wouldn't let anyone stand on his left. 
So what I did was, I printed a big A5. A5 is a big paper, right? A3, A3. I printed A... Uh, it's weird. The more the number becomes, the less the smaller the paper. <laughs> so it's A3 I printed. Did you guys think of it like that? Achieve. So it's A3. I printed it out. The first of Sheikh Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. I stuck it right in front of him. In the, uh, in the Musallat. You can see, inshallah. And then what I did is I took a highlighter. And I highlighted the fatwa. And This is sometimes the way to get the message across. You don't have to talk. So the brother walked in and he saw the, uh, he saw the fatwa. I could see him from the back. He saw the fatwa. Read it. And then from that day on, everybody used to pray on his left. Everybody would pray on his left. So it's only when the person is with them, with the imam by themselves. وَإِذَا كَثُرَ جَمْعُ Is it better to go to a masjid that has more people or a masjid that has less people? You have two masjids, they're both equal to you. They're very close to you. Both of the masjids are close. Which one is the best? You know this masjid, little people come. And this masjid, a lot of people come. Which one is better to go to? Go to the one that's got more people. Why? Because the reward is more. This is based on the hadith of the Prophet Salatul Rajuli Ma'ar Rajuli Azka Min Salati Wahdahu Wa Salatu Ma'ar Rajulaini Azka Min Salati Ma'ar Rajuli Wa Ma Kana Aktharaf Wa Ahabu Ila Allahi That which is more is more beloved to Allah Azza So two is better than one Three is better than two And the more it becomes the more beloved to Allah Azza wa Jalla is This hadith that I mentioned right now Which is found in Musnad Imam Ahmed It's authenticated by Yahya ibn Ma'in Ali ibn al-Madini And it's also authenticated by Muhammad ibn Yahya al-Duhali Rahimahu Allah and others also it's permissible um, after the mafdul it is also it is permissible and the salah is correct and it's valid when it's observed behind an impious individual you can do so a person who is more virtuous is behind a person who is what? Less virtuous. And the evidence for that is that Nabi Muhammad prayed, prayed, prayed behind who? Abu Bakr. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. As is in Sahihain Bukhari. And who's more virtuous? So to say impious is not a good word, right? It's good to avoid that because Abu Bakr is pious. So what do we say? Less pious than the Prophet alayhi, alayhi salatu wasalam. Naam. وَالْأَوْلَىٰ أَنْ يَكُونَ الْإِمَامُ مِنَ الْخِيَارِ And what is um, better is that the imam is pious and devout. The imam should be a person who is a pious individual. Based on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, Make your imams who? The wisest and the, the, the most pious from amongst you. Because they are delegation between you and Allah. The delegation of sending the message on your behalf to Allah is who? It's the Imam. This hadith came from uh, Abdullah ibn Umar and Al-Imam al-Darakutniyu narrated it. Some of the scholars, they weakened it. From them is Shaykh al-Albani rahimahullah and others, they didn't. Anyways, the point is, what is meant by here, let the pious and the devout one be the leader, is the one who knows more Quran. Based on the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, فَلْيَأُمَّ الْقَوْمَ أَقْرَأَهُمْ 
Let the people be led by the one who knows the Quran the most. Even if he's younger in age. It's not looked at. What's looked at is the one who knows the Quran more. The men are the ones who lead the women. And never the vice versa. So even a son will lead his mother in the prayer. A woman never leads the salah. She never leads the salah. This is a evidence from it is in Sahihain. Bukhari and Muslim in Hadithi. Anasid. He said, I stood. I stood behind the messenger. Me. Huh? Me and an orphan. And what? An old woman was behind all of us. Now, so the women at the time of the Prophet they used to pray behind the men and never has it seen in the time of the Prophet that a woman ever led the men. So the, as for the women leading the men in an obligatory prayer by consent of the scholars she's not allowed to. The women leading the men in the obligatory prayer it is not allowed. As for the voluntary prayer, according to strongest opinion, she's not allowed to. She shouldn't lead. Aslan. Because um, there's no evidence that shows otherwise. And the evidence that show is the statement of the Prophet ﷺ where he said, لا يف... لا لا يفلحون, A people are not going to be successful. Their matters are in the hands of a woman. They are not successful. No way they receive prosperity. The Messenger said this, alayhi salatu wasalam. And the hadith says, لا يفلح أما لا يفلح قوم ولو أمرهم إمرأ ولو أمرهم أمرهم Salah comes from, it goes under أمرهم Their affairs. So a woman does not lead men at all. Huh? Some of the scholars are of the opinion that women can lead themselves in prayer. Uh, and some other scholars, they believe jama'ah is not permissible for the women. Lakin, it is permissible for the woman to lead another woman. As Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha mentioned. Lakin, the woman, when she leads the women, she's also not allowed to do what? She can't be at the front like the men. She's what? She's with the women she's leading. So she's, they're all on her side. Ah. So the issue of jama'ah has been established in the masjid. Can we pray another jama'ah? As you see in the masjid, the imam finished, there's another jama'ah. Oh, and there's another jama'ah. There's another jama'ah. It's not permissible. There's only one jama'ah in the masjid. If you miss that jama'ah, go to the corner and pray by yourself. Why? Because there's no evidence to show that you can pray with except one situation. Are we all together? Is if you can find a person who's already prayed Say, Akhi, come pray with me. Are you with me, brothers? He prayed, he's in the middle of the what? He just, Salaamu Alaikum, you tap him on the shoulder, Akhi, ta'ala. Come and we pray together. He's already prayed, and you are what? You know why? Because of the hadith of the Prophet, he said, Who's going to give this man charity? Sahih? So, point, ponder on this point. If both of you just came into the masjid and you're both, you both didn't pray, who's giving sadaqah to who? 
who is mutasaddiq wal mutasaddiq who is the one ayuni brothers walidhalika al-imam shafi'i in kitab al-um he considers it to be from the innovation plus if we say ayuni brothers if we say that the jama'ah you can pray many in the masjid the people which one is better than which that's one the person who's always got a quorum jama'ah brother it's about five jama'ah that's going to happen after that which one is better number two we have some of the salaf who came to the masjid and they saw that the salah was led and they would grab a person and say go home come come home with me and then they would pray like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud what he did to Al-Qamah he grabbed him by the hand and he said to come with me and pray with me so even now if it does happen you come to the masjid late because there's a practice of people just making too many jama'ah it's even wise not to make a jama'ah with somebody who's already prayed take him to somewhere you can pray together both of you are you with me brothers? just so that people don't have because there's that practice that's so common are we all together brothers? and sometimes subhanallah it becomes so problematic which is there's three jama'ah at the same time in the masjid have you guys seen that? you don't know which one started and one guy came up to me and said brother which one should I pray with? I was saying, don't pray with any of them. Pray by yourself. He looked at me and said, Oh, I make a fourth jama'ah. <laughs> I said to him, Don't do to jama'ah. Pray by yourself. So it's a problem. It's a problem. All of them are going at the same time. This is not what the Prophet's companions ever did. I pray in this masjid. Pray in a masjid. Don't pray in a masallah. Pray in a a masjid if you can. If you if you if you. Say that again. He's in. He just because the jamaah finished. The majority of the time when you do come late, you shouldn't, you're going to come late when people are still sitting in the position of their salah, right? What I'm saying is when you enter the masjid, the first jama'ah is already finished. Ah. You, you see what's already your second jama'ah going on. Ah. You don't know whether there's any groups. Someone from the first jama'ah is going to be like, someone ah. from the second jama'ah. How will you do the jama'ah? Oh, even, sahih, sahih. I understood him differently. I understood from him. Correct me if I if I'm wrong. You're saying, for example, I came into the masjid before you. When I walked in, I got a brother, I tapped him on the shoulder, I said, Okay, you've prayed, come pray with me. Me and him were establishing jama'ah. How do you know if me and him are establishing a jama'ah that he was giving me? Or a jama'ah that were nah, that's what you mean, right? Yeah. Ha, that's how ha, ha, sa. Because it's now a situation of people practicing the second and third and fourth jama'ah. Because it's muhim. You don't know which one is which. And you want people to stop this. The best thing to do is what? Don't include yourself. Grab that person if you know him. Or if you have a friend that's already what? Prayed with the jama'ah who came there before you. Or somebody who you're close with. And if your house is not far. Or say, how about we go and pray together? That's the best. If not, then go to the corner by yourself and pray. 
I do it every time. I've never had a problem. I always walk in and I, I uh, tell the people. Sometimes even a person I'm with, I say, Aki, he goes, Aki, come let's pray together. I said, I don't want to pray. He said, why? You don't want to pray with me? I said, I'll explain to you later. <laughs> you go pray there yourself and I pray there. So even I don't force my opinion on that person. If he goes and prays with the jama'ah, I, uh, I just pray by myself. Nah. Mm, mm, mm. There's an istithna here. If this masjid doesn't have an imam ratib, it's not. A, it's like a you know those highway when you're on the highway there is masjids in the in the on the on the stopovers. Those ones don't even have an imam ratib. The, the jama'ah can be done as many times as possible. Sheikh Albani mentioned. That's exception. We're talking about a masjid that has a imam because the musalla or these other masjids. The first jama'ah, second and third, all are what? They are all the same. They're all just a musallah aslan. Do you are you with me? No. You should all try to listen to the um, debate of Sheikh Al-Albani. I don't know who he debated. He debated one of the mashayikh or somebody he debated. I don't know who it was. On the issue of the second jama'ah. On this issue of Sheikh Al-Jama'ah. It was very fruitful, very good evidence. Discussion, forth, what about this? Why this? But also, I would advise you to read Al-Imam uh, Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i. Shafi'i has a research on that issue in his kitab Al-Um. Al-Um. Ha, even if he's not Baligh, now he can lead the prayer. As long as he... Ha, he can lead. He can lead. We're going to come to it later. If the Imam is like, for example... Uh, a, ch- a child like that who's probably not going to do his tahara properly and he leads the parent then we're going to see the sheikh is going to bring that later it's not going to harm the mother two people come to the two people come to the masjid at the same time huh? Oh, the one that he just saw that went in. Caught up with the jama'ah. Uh, mm, mm, mm. I'm yeah, he can't give you anything because he himself hasn't completed the prayer. Yeah, he has to complete the prayer. The one who's mutasaddiq has to have finished his prayer. He's got something to give, something to help you with. Are you with me? It's a person who's fully completed the prayer with the jama'ah, prayed. He's now looking around. And he might help you, or you can ask him for help. Even some of the ulama, some of the ulama, they mention that you can't even be going around and saying to people, hey, can you help me? It has to be a third party that it comes from. Because the Prophet, there are two companions, the Prophet intervened and said to him, who's going to help? Are you with me, brothers? Has he finished the prayer? So he can't give if he hasn't finished himself. That's going to make the second jama'ah again. Yeah? That's what a lot of people do now. A lot of people do. A Q&A session now. Alhamdulillah. Huh? Say that again? Ah, the guy, no, he doesn't have to be it. Jamil, good question. Does the one who is giving the sadaqah, does he have to lead? No, he doesn't have to. He can be a ma'amum or he can be a... 
Yeah, to pray, pray in two conditions at the same time, like having two things that have the same intention at the same time. This mas'ala, which is tadakhul in niyyah, two intentions entering at the same time. The scholars, they say that the thing that, the two things that are entering into each other, they have to be min jinsihi. They have to be the same essence. They have to be what? From the same essence. So you can't combine two different things in their essence, meaning one is wajib. Are you with me, brothers? And the other one is what? Wajib. The reason why is because. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I say it has to be minjinsi. Allah yakuna minjinsi. Should it be from the same essence? Except the nawafil, the voluntary. Can I combine duhr and asr at the same time, pray one time at the same time? No, both pillars, both of them are wajib. I have to come with. Are you with me, brothers? The only istithna they give is the sunnah. So when it comes to the wajib, this one doesn't, can't be what? So when you pray dhuhr and you finish, you can pray asr. You can't say, I'm going to pray both of them in one condition. Are we, are we all together, brothers? Those of you who believe, tahiyyatul masjid is wajib. Okay? Those of you who believe tahiyyatul masjid is wajib. And you believe salatul fajr is wajib, la shaka, you should believe that. For you, what's happening? You haven't. You can't combine between the two. Are we all together? You can't combine between the two. Are we all together, brothers? For you, it's Tahiyatul Masjid, and then it's what? Well, <coughs> the author then says, it's obligatory. We'll stop there, inshallah ta'ala. We'll speak about tajib al-mutaba'ah tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala. Anything which I have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me, shaytan, and Allah and his messenger are free from it. The question here, somebody asked, is can you clarify the rulings for obligatory prayers during traveling? Inshallah ta'ala, there's going to be a chapter on the concept of, we're going to come to the chapter of traveling. Next, tomorrow, we're going to finish this book tomorrow. So we're going to speak about it, inshallah ta'ala, tomorrow.